0: Salutations! Welcome to Podmortem. I'm Travis Hunter, joined as always by my co-host, my sister and my brother-in-law.
1: Hi, I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez.
0: Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. This week, we're broadcasting live from the theater at Windsor College, discussing the 1997 slasher film Scream 2. The film was written by Kevin Williamson and directed by the late, great Wes Craven. Following the massive success of the first film, this film was rushed into production, reuniting the main cast to once again go toe-to-toe with the murderous Ghostface. Aiming its satirical barbs at sequels and combining elements of horror and mystery, this film is a worthy follow-up to the film that came before it and is widely considered one of the best sequels in the genre. So, Scream 2, what were your first impressions on the film?
1: I've always loved this movie, ever since I was a kid, (laughs) and it came out and it's like, oh, like, your friends are back, but Uh, it's a new setting, you know what I mean? Admittedly, it's not as good as the first movie, but... It's a lot of fun, and I do think it's a really strong sequel, and John Paul's already making faces.
2: <laughs> it's something. I, don't... I remember watching it, and I'm not going to lie, I can't remember if I liked it or not, mm-hmm. but watching it now, I was, <laughs> I was like, jeez, what the hell? Like, in, uh, in what way? Uh, uh... Wasn't so good to me. Like mm-hmm. I mean it was it wasn't that it was all bad, but it was a lot of like, what the fuck is going on? You know, just like I was like, what the hell is this? I was like, what? <laughs> like uh like jumbled or um I guess like a serious scary movie. Like that's what it is, right? Like it's well a, I mean it's it's it's, it's satire. Uh, it's, yeah, some comedy, okay. you know. Yeah. It's just it was just like what the fuck? <laughs> what's going on here? It seemed like a lot. Like it didn't need to be two hours.
1: Okay, that's okay. That's uh, what that I think all, right. yeah. all three of us can agree on that. <laughs> all right.
0: Because I'll I'll agree with Nay that I loved this movie since childhood. I'm a big fan of the franchise, of course. It was very cool, obviously, seeing the first screen when I was a kid, and then this one comes out, and you're like, there, "There's more!" Yeah. And I was <laughs> so happy. Back. Yeah. But rewatching it this time, it is not as strong as the first one. I feel like the satire isn't as strong in this one as the first I one f- either. Yeah. I feel like
1: the satire in this one is a little more do you see what we're doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> look, look, yeah. do you get it? Yeah. You, did you get that?
2: I think that's what kind of did was, I was that's like, fair because oh, uh, I feel
1: like it was more like organic in the first yeah, one. Right. And this time it's like you guys get these jokes, right? You know what it is?
2: The first
0: one was witty, this one is kind of self referential. It's absolutely Mm. so there's a big difference between those two, even though the first one was self referential, you weren't expecting it. Maybe that's part of it. I just feel like it wasn't so
1: heavy handed, like, you kind of have to be paying attention to get it, you know? Mm. Yeah, this time you don't have (laughs) sequels. Am I right? (laughs) Sequels, guys, yeah.
0: The crazy thing that I read is that whenever Kevin Williamson sold the screenplay to Scream, he had already written five page treatments for Scream Two and Scream Three.
1: Oh wow. He was prepared. Yeah.
0: So he was he was going to these studios and he's like, Look, you know, you guys are playing the fucking small ball buying films. How about buying a franchise kind of a thing? Yeah. Which is honestly really yeah. smart. Yeah. And so of course as we all know, the first film blows up, does amazing, you mm-hmm. know, revitalizes the slasher genre. And so they're like, hey, uh, give me some more of those bad boys, <laughs> like, yeah. nearly immediately. And they rushed.
1: Well, I was going to say, didn't the first one come out in 96? Yes. And this is 97? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Damn.
0: I, d- I yeah. didn't know that. It's they had, like, that's
1: pretty insane.
0: They had a production schedule of, I believe, six months. And that includes him oh, finishing man. the screenplay and then shooting it. Christ. So That's crazy. It's nuts, and so I mean, for it to be as cohesive as it is and good. Yeah, to no, me it's impressive. Yeah. It's impressive on such a short time schedule, and also, man, there were a ton of script leaks during the production of this film. Uh-huh. And so they had to go back and rewrite a bunch of it because they're trying to fucking throw people off that are already online, knowing who the killers are and shit. I,
1: I had read that the Jeez. the actors didn't even get the ending in their own scripts until <laughs> it was time to shoot those scenes.
0: Oh, shit. Because they're so, like, we can't trust
1: anyone. Yeah, they, the people in the movie didn't even know who the killer uh, was going to be. Yeah,
0: so I mean, the, the rush <laughs> schedule... Can't say shit if you
1: don't know shit. No, <laughs>
0: All the problems they ran into, it's pretty admirable that they were able to turn this in. Definitely. And part of that is Wes Craven because he actually helped with a lot of the rewrites as well and was able to kind of craft things the way that he wanted them. And I mean, I don't know. I think this is kind of a mixed bag, this movie, but it is (laughs) one of the better sequels.
1: I I agree with that.
2: I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I I asked your sister before I watched it and I was like is this the one? This one? And she was like yeah, but I was like we'll no, just give I, it a chance. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I I how many of these movies are there? Like 4? There's, There's 4, four they're currently. working on 5. Yes. You seem so a, pleased. <laughs> <laughs> are the other ones like this or are they
1: I just saw on his face we're going to have to do all these, aren't <laughs> we? Yeah, can't <laughs> wait.
2: <laughs>
0: Now, before we blame this film for our crimes, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film but don't care about spoilers, let's craft our motive. Now, obviously, this film relies heavily on having already seen Scream. If you haven't, we'd advise you to go watch it, or go listen to episode 13 of our show as a refresher. So the film opens oddly with D'Angelo's cover of Prince's She's Always in My Hair.
1: I was confused as well. That was a choice. I was
0: like, is this Ghostface's song to Sydney?" Oh
1: my God, that's hilarious. You know,
0: like she is just always. (laughs) But along with the funky ass music, we see the exterior of the Rialto Theater. A giant hand protrudes from the marquee with a knife and the marquee reads, sneak preview, tonight only, Stab. There's a line at the box office that stretches down the street, and in the line is Maureen Evans, played by Jada Pinkett, and her boyfriend, Phil Stevens, played by Omar Epps. Maureen says how much she hates scary movies and that she should be studying instead, but Phil reminds her that the tickets were free, and he tells her that it's good to be scared because of the adrenaline.
1: <laughs> I think they're really funny. Like
0: I think they're funny, but he's a shit boyfriend. He's a dude. horrible boyfriend.
1: <laughs> Like he's just, a horrible boyfriend. Just from the
0: start, he's she says something about going to see a Sandra Bullock yeah. movie instead, and he's like, "Well, I'm not paying 750 for that unless she's naked." Yeah, yeah. and uh, then I how I'm embarrassing! Your girlfriend's right no, there. Later on, he, yeah, no,
2: he's no, even
1: worse.
0: Oh yeah, he gets. <laughs> but
1: they're funny. They make me laugh.
0: Yeah, I like her a lot.
1: Yeah, no, she's great.
0: Although she's very critical of horror films.
1: She's very critical of horror films, but some of the critiques, it's I'm not, like, uh huh. Yeah,
2: she's. <laughs> gone. Oh yeah. She's
0: yeah. Right. She starts by saying, you know, talking about the racial disparity in horror, that it's always just some white people being stupid and ending, ending up getting cut up. And Phil isn't here for that kind of talk, though. No. <laughs> On their way in, a theater clerk hands them a ghost face costume as a souvenir courtesy of the studio. And Maureen snags it, shows it off to Phil and says, and it's white.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a little quick note here. The lady that hands them their costumes this should show you what Scream had done to the to the culture. Uh-huh. Um, she won that role in an MTV contest <laughs> to <laughs> oh, be the God. person that handed them their costumes.
0: I got to admit, that's pretty cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. And I, I had read that and then I watched it and 90 percent of it is the back of her head. And then yeah. when they walk away, she turns around <laughs> yeah, and I was you're like, right. oh, they well, they of got her.
3: Gotta, face. Yeah, yeah,
0: barely. But my thing is why would he bring her here if he knew that she hated horror films so
2: much? Again, he's right. a bad boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I what? mean,
0: give the free ticket to someone else. Yeah.
2: And then but what about them giving out costumes? Like, is that a good idea?
1: Well, no. no. <laughs> the answer is no. As, as we
2: learned, you said this was a sneak preview. This is a Big ass sneaky yes, it's, it's,
1: it it's too much, uh, and it's we'll talk party. about that more once it's they, not... yeah, once they get inside the theater. But mm-hmm. my thing is, and I didn't even think about, <laughs> I didn't even think about this honestly until right now. But this movie also stab is a horrible name for the film. Yes. But yeah, well,
0: and I've got some things to say about stab in this a second. movie
1: is based off of the Woodsboro murders. Mm-hmm. Yes. That actually Mm happened. So this is the most unprofessional, like (laughs) shit. Like this is so. It's (laughs) honestly disgusting. (laughs) Like like, yeah, fucking killer. It's like this happened. No,
2: yeah.
0: (laughs) When they make their way into the screening, yes. First of all, we hear Red Right Hand by Nick Cave and oh, the Bad Seeds playing Chef's Kiss. That's, I literally wrote Chef's Kiss in my notes. <laughs> but everyone is dressed in that ghost face garb and they're screaming through the aisles with their fake knives and it is a fucking scene. It's too much. Again, this is <laughs> It's like it's uh, like
1: going to a John Wayne Gacy film and they're like, Here's your pogo costume. Like
0: that this is wrong. This is really this inappropriate. Is not okay.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, we're gonna kill those little boys. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. like, what? <laughs> what is this? What the fuck? Where's the line yeah.
0: here? And it's based on Gail Weather's book. Oh. Of course it is. Which, did she write it as like a slasher film? You know what I mean? But we'll get into it in a second. As they see the people running around, Maureen sarcastically remarks that it's very romantic.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, everybody just needs to calm the fuck. It's 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 like a club in there. That's the thing.
0: The music... The movie is literally starting and everybody's losing their minds. Yes. Like it is starting
2: on the yeah, screen. Yeah, I thought that too. I was your like you're not down. sitting down, no. you're going to miss what's happening. Everybody's yelling.
0: And you'd think that the ushers would care, but instead they're working a fucking ghost face on a yes. string yes. pulley system. <laughs> Over the audience, and the lights are still on.
1: I was like, man, I miss going to the movies. That was my first thought when this movie started. Uh-huh. And then I'm like, I would be so fucking <laughs> mad.
2: Yeah, oh no, yeah. Like, where's the, where's the I manager? I would
1: be furious. Yeah. <laughs> Your tickets I were full, free, yeah.
2: so I Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't give a full shit. Karen. I still want to refund. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my God, I'd be so fucking mad.
0: But we see the stab title card on the screen, followed shortly by it saying it's based on the Woodsboro murders by Gail Weathers. Maureen and Steve... <laughs> Sit down, as the film boasts that it was filmed in Stabbo Vision, whatever the fuck that means.
1: <laughs> you uncultured swine! Yeah, I'm <laughs> sorry, I've never heard of Stabbo Vision. <laughs>
0: no, but this film within a film was genuinely directed by Robert Rodriguez.
1: That's hilarious.
0: And it opens on the exterior of a house, just as Red Right Hand ends. We see Casey Becker on screen, <laughs> this time played by Heather Graham, and she's getting ready for a shower. The audience obviously cheers as she drops her robe, and Maureen complains. Mm, yeah. But
1: but I mean, Phil, she's, Maureen's right, though. She's Why's right, she got to be butt-ass but, naked? It, it, the all, movie just started. No
0: nudity was shown on screen. No. A, no. B, Phil is basically like, I got a boner <laughs> right now <laughs> to his girlfriend.
1: He literally did. He literally,
0: like, where is the line? <laughs> I don't, human <laughs> coupling is just, I don't fucking get it. But on screen, the telephone rings and Casey goes to answer it. It's obviously Ghostface, oddly with the same voice he uses in real life. <laughs> <laughs> but the scene begins to play out much like it did in Scream, only a little bit more overdramatic.
1: I was laughing because when she goes to answer the phone, you see that she has Jiffy Pop on the stove. So she put that Jiffy Pop on the stove and then went to go take a shower. <laughs> She's like, yeah. i will be done by the time I."
0: <laughs> this, this isn't was already unsafe. Going. Yeah, a fire didn't start in the when this really happened or anything. No big deal. Maureen yells at the screen for her to hang up and use Star 69 and everybody shushes her, including well, Phil, who looks very embarrassed.
1: But I'm, <laughs> but I'm like, now that she wants to come with some logic, now y'all are all about being quiet and yeah, watching me. like, oh, yeah. excuse me, we're trying to. <laughs> we weren't just partying in the yeah. aisle 30 seconds ago.
0: <laughs> but as the scene progresses, Maureen asks Phil for some money so she can grab some popcorn. He reluctantly hands her some and she heads out. In the lobby, Maureen jumps at the sound of the audience inside because they're reacting to what's happening on screen. Right. Oddly, one of the clerks says to another clerk, hey, we're sold out. And the other clerk goes, oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've never worked the job where any of us would give a shit about that no. at all.
1: It's like, God, it's fucking yeah. busy yeah. tonight. When are we
0: going to go home? When are we going to get, go gonna get cut? But while Maureen is grabbing her popcorn, a couple With
1: no butter. Yeah, and girl, that was what a are problem. you doing?
0: She doesn't know at a movie theater.
1: Mm-mm.
0: A couple of girls get in line behind her, and one of the girls says that she's not going back in there because this is a true story about kids who got killed a couple years ago in California.
1: But didn't you know that before you went? You would think. Right. And now you're all. Oh, this is too much. Like <laughs> it
0: barely started. It
1: barely started. Well, they
0: probably saw how disrespectful it was from the start.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and there's also people in the lobby running around in the ghost face costumes well maybe
0: they're like oh you didn't say that they were going to
2: oh mm i'm not gonna... yeah. <laughs> no but she she orders a medium popcorn and clearly gets a large and, well, she, that, and she... she says a small diet pepsi yeah, that's the biggest fucking thing i've yeah. ever seen and she gets change back but she never handed them money
1: <laughs> <I didn't even laughs> they're like
0: this right. is a
2: free yeah, you know
1: just take the popcorn right, yeah go. and here's some
3: change
0: <laughs> like we know you don't want to be here yeah. <laughs> But Maureen is about to head back inside the theater, and then a man in a ghost face mask lurches out of a closet to scare her. Of course, he takes off his mask, and it's Phil. The door he came out of, though, it says employees only, and he's lucky they weren't like, that's it, get out, (laughs) no. (laughs) We were fine with the aisle, but no, that's where we keep our brooms and shit. (laughs) But she jumps, and he tells her to relax. She says she doesn't like getting scared, and he tells her it's just a movie. He th- he does, though. He offers to go take her to see the Sandra Bullock movie, but she said it's already started. Yeah. So she's like, we can just go back inside and watch the rest of the movie. He's like, I got to use the restroom, and then I'll be right back.
1: Which is one of those things you're not supposed to say. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I
0: think I saw that in a movie once, but... <laughs> In the restroom, two dudes in ghostface garb are occupying the urinals, so Phil goes for a stall. They both <laughs> turn around at him yes.
2: like, you rang? And, <laughs> and they're both standing next to each other. Give me a, a well, urinal There's space. another
1: urinal, too. Oh, there was? Yeah, that's why I was like, he's just yeah, standing there. I don't know men's room etiquette from don't experience. Don't stand next to me if
2: I'm at the urinal. It's just courtesy. Especially, <laughs> yeah. if they,
0: look, if there's two urinals, you, got, you well, have no, to you put yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but, but one, if there's three, yeah. it's just common courtesy. But I guess Ghostface... Well, he's also a murderer, so... (laughs) He's rude. Yeah, that's what we've learned here. But he tries the first stall, which is occupied. Then he heads into the second. He hears someone talking in a high-pitched voice, saying stuff like, I didn't mean to, Mommy. And I'll tell you why I did it, Mommy. And the fucking idiot that he is... Phil puts his ear to the stall wall <laughs> to listen closer.
1: No, a couple things. That's disgusting. Absolutely. But secondly, my nosy ass could get taken out no. by, um, by something very similar to this. You're like, what is, this? what is what the hell's going on? Oh and then you're just dumb gone. <laughs> right.
0: And that's exactly what happens. We get a shot from inside the other stall where the real ghost face pulls a knife and stabs Phil through the wall right into his ear.
1: It's such an iconic moment. And like, I still think about that when I'm oh, in yeah. a theater, like restroom. What's funny
0: is that Candyman and this film combined ruined
2: <laughs> no public, public restrooms yeah. for me <laughs> as a child. But Phil collapses to the floor. Yeah. I... All right. Hold on. <laughs> now I got a couple of things. Just All right. He stood there and waited behind those guys for a while before he went and looked for a stall. Well,
0: because one of them, you're, they're just peeing. So you're like, like yeah, are you going to?
2: He was like, oh, I got to pee. He's like, then go look for a stall. Oh yeah! And then he didn't close the door behind him while he was peeing. But I get we couldn't have seen him if he closed yeah, that's the door. True. But
1: I uh, damn it! Uh, no, right? no, 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 no. Yeah,
2: I'm gonna close the door. It's all right. <laughs>
1: we need room for the camera,
0: yeah. man. especially after they turned around like they were gonna fucking kill him. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and the ni- the the amount of force for that knife to go through that wall and then his ear yeah Yeah. i mean
0: bathroom stall walls aren't made of styrofoam i don't think
2: so (laughs) are you sure i don't think so all right but why see if he was minding his business That's the thing. Mind your business. Yeah. That should be one of the rules. Yeah. I really understand, should. you know, the whole well, I don't understand, but I know yeah. the whole tapping thing <laughs> on oh,
1: like, what's going uh, on in there.
2: Just go away. Well, no. anything I
0: hear going on in another stall is none of my
2: business. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> that's well, just even if you're listening, don't put your ear to the no, that's to gross. the wall. <laughs> he <laughs> could don't hear just... enough. Yeah, I heard you, words. Yeah, you, he's like, you oh, he's about to—he's
1: about to tell anyway. her. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> but back in the theater, Casey is being chased on screen, and Maureen is actually super into it now. Yeah, which is kind of—I
2: mean, every, she turned around. Yes. Character yes. Development, yeah, character development—I I respect uh, that. That well, no, was a little weird for me. <laughs> it was like she was just talking shit a minute yeah. ago. Now she's, oh shit, check it out. <laughs>
0: Dr. made a great point. He's like, you know, she kind of speaks for the critics who don't watch horror, and then the second she actually watches it, she likes likes it. it. Actually,
1: this is pretty great.
0: But just then, Ghostface comes into the theater wearing his mask and Phil's clothes.
1: Okay. My question, though, and I never thought about it until I watched it this time, but how did he know where Phil was sitting?
0: My guess, well, A, it's a packed house. It's full. So it's really possibly the only empty mm. seat yeah. or whoever is Ghostface knows Maureen and Phil.
1: Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah, okay. Because
2: there was so many people on that fucking thing that and when people before, were in the aisles and, yeah, they're, That's true. and every, they're empty seat. seats. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he sits down next to Maureen and she tells him that shit's getting crazy on screen and offers him some popcorn. He politely declines with a head shake. <laughs> On screen, Casey gets killed by Ghostface in a shot-for-shot remake of what really Absolutely. happened. And it's like, how do they know that that's what happened? <laughs> exactly. It was even slowed down exactly the same, yeah. but it doesn't matter. Maureen is like hiding her face in what she thinks is her boyfriend's shoulder and clings to him. She then slowly takes her hands off of him and realizes that they're covered in blood. Just as she realizes it, Ghostface stabs her in the stomach. She tries to get away, but he continues chasing her through the aisles, slashing at her through the chaos of the other theater goers reacting to the violence on screen.
1: She got into an entanglement with Ghostface, (laughs) listen. (laughs) An entanglement? An entanglement. An entanglement Entanglement with with Ghostface. Ghostface listen <laughs> even amidst all this chaos and I know they all have their fake knives and whatnot, this looks horrible oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, you see I, a
0: girl the, back there like she gets some blood spatter on her and she mean, looks at her like, arm like what the fuck this isn't they went all out Yeah, it's like yeah. no
3: <laughs> pay attention smells rusty
0: and everything <laughs> But after one final stab in the back, Maureen is covered in blood, and she climbs up in front of the screen and lets out a blood-curdling scream.
1: That scream scared me so bad when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. It was like, made you like cold, like gave you (laughs) goosebumps.
0: She milks her moment, man. Yeah, she does. It's really good. I read that she asked Wes Craven to give her the best death. And he's like, you got
1: it. <laughs> Say no more, fam. Yeah.
0: So we do see a shot of the crowd as they realize what they're seeing is real. And some of them start taking off their masks and covering their mouths. Marine just collapses and dies. We then get a title card that reads, Scream 2.
1: Another fantastic opening. Yeah. Another false protagonist. Uh huh. And I mean, I.
0: I mean, we knew Nev Campbell would be the lead, but of course. At the same time, it's like, well, Jada Pinkett is not.
1: And they even put Jada Pinkett on the cover. It's like, it's like, mm -hmm. (laughs) just like they did with Drew Barrymore. Nice trick.
0: But in the next scene, we're at Windsor College. We do hear a phone ringing as we sweep across a college dorm to find Sydney Prescott, played by Nev Campbell, waking up.
1: With a great 90s haircut.
0: Oh, it's fantastic. It's,
1: it's so good.
0: But she answers the phone, and a very familiar voice greets her by name and asks her what her favorite scary movie is. Sydney, unimpressed, quickly thwarts this would-be prank caller with a newfangled 1997 caller ID. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I love that Caller ID was this new. That's what I put. It, Caller <laughs> ID must have just came out. The like dude the, are like, like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, is she
1: magic? How did she know? Yeah,
0: pretty sneaky, Sid. But <laughs> obviously, it's not the first time she's dealt with this. She's kind of a pro at this point. She tells him, you know, prank calls her a criminal offense and then hangs up on him. Her roommate, Hallie McDaniel, played by Elise Neal, comes in and asks if it's time for them to change phone numbers again, and Sydney says no. Basically, since Stab just came out, it's opening weekend, it's going to be pretty annoying for a while, but it'll die off.
1: I'm sure she saw that coming. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The girls then switch on the television, and it just so happens to be showing an interview with Cotton Weary, played by Liev Schreiber. If you've listened to episode 13, or, you know, I guess watched Scream, you'll know. (laughs) Cotton was convicted for the murder of Maureen Prescott, Sydney's mother, and only after the events of the first film was Cotton exonerated for the crime, and he's now apparently making the talk show circuit. Clearly... Uh, the perfect tie-in for the release of Stab and Gail's book. Oh, for sure. Interestingly, that's Kevin Williamson playing the interviewer. <laughs> that's interviewing Cotton. <laughs> that's funny. But Hallie snaps Sydney's attention away from the TV and tells her to hurry and get ready because she's running late, but tells her not to forget about the martini mixer tonight at the sorority house. Sydney's obviously hesitant, but Hallie tries to convince her to break out of this self-imposed exile. As they're talking in the hall, though... Another girl, who really milks her one line in the film, (laughs) tells them to check out the news. They head back inside their dorm and switch it on.
1: No, they don't switch it on. It's on when they walk in.
0: Oh, did they break into uh, (laughs) Cotton's interview? Like, no, 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 no. This is more important.
1: I was like, wait a minute.
0: But on the news, they're reporting the murders from the night before at the Stab premiere. As it turns out, both Maureen and Phil are also students at Windsor College. Sydney asks where Randy is, and Hallie says that he has film theory this morning. Interestingly, did you catch the subtle Freddy Krueger sweater reference in Hallie's in the closet? closet? Yeah, yeah. thought that was pretty neat. But Sydney walks outside of the building and is immediately hounded by the media before quickly breaking away from them.
1: <laughs> and I'm positive <laughs> that at least two of those reporters called her Cindy. <laughs> what if they
0: just got local reporters that had never seen the movie and they're just like, "Yeah, yeah, Cindy." Yeah, I was
1: like, "What the hell?"
0: In the next scene, it's film theory class. The professor posits that what happened in the theater is possibly a direct result of the film itself. And I'm sorry, but this is the most unprofessional shit. He better <laughs> yeah. have tenure, dude, because what if people were friends with Maureen and Phil? They went Somebody to this college. Somebody says, yeah. I had
1: a class See? with that girl. And he's
0: like, so uh these kids that got killed, who gives a fuck? But let's it talk might about be. the film. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I could not believe that.
1: I mean, wouldn't this be a day of, like, classes yes, canceled? Yes, I think classes like, would be
0: canceled, and if they if did you have classes,
1: If you need a counselor, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? Like said
0: he's like, so these kids I got slashed, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and everybody's, like, super chill about yeah, it. Yeah,
0: they're even leaned back in their Just seats. hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> but an argument breaks out between classmates. C.C. Cooper, played by Sarah Michelle Gellar, says the media isn't to blame for the real-life violence, while, and this is his actual credit, Film class guy number one played by
1: <laughs> I know played by
0: Joshua Jackson disagrees.
1: And this is his only scene. No. <laughs> yeah.
0: but also in disagreement is Mickey Altieri, played by the criminally underrated Timothy Oliphant.
1: Love Timothy Oliphant. He
0: is great in everything he's in. He just seems
2: like such a cool dude. And Have this ever... was his
1: first film. That's nuts.
0: Well, yeah. good for him.
2: Good for him. I-, I like the guy, but he looks way too old to be sitting there. <laughs> And I don't mean that like older people can't go to college. I'm literally
1: in, but, in college.
2: Well, now. But I mean, everyone in there else looks young. So it's kind of like you're just like, oh, all right. But it's like, you don't belong here. <laughs> you and Malibu's most wanted need to.
0: Just... Yeah, and we'll get to him in a okay. second. <laughs> He is very awkwardly goateed now. Yeah. He is. Randy Meeks, played by Jamie Kennedy, agrees with Cece, saying that he lived through this and that life imitates life. Mickey, even though he's arguing against what I believe, makes a great point and says the killer literally wore a Ghostface costume.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the parallel. can't
0: be It's not a leap.
1: But like, I just feel like Randy should have been a little more less I don't give a fuck about the situation. Yeah. Like He did not give a shit at no. all.
0: In reality, well, you know, honestly, if I were Randy in this situation, I would be probably in straight denial mode. I'd be like, nope, no, 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 no.
1: That's fair, I Doesn't, guess. Nope. Yeah. Doesn't but have he's, anything just like, to it. he's just like, man. And then he just starts launching off talking about sequels. And I'm like, can we talk about the people?
0: That You lost people, didn't you? You're a principal. There has to be somebody why do you start the... with the principal?
1: There... <laughs> you know? there has to be someone in the movie playing you. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. it, you don't, whatever. I don't know. He <laughs> just does not give a shit at all.
0: But the professor is like, could it be that they're trying to make a sequel? And this inspires a super meta argument about whether or not sequels suck.
1: Very meta. Yeah. And
0: <laughs> as much as I enjoy it, it feels a little more heavy handed than mm, yeah. Scream.
2: A-, a little? Well, I'm trying to be polite because I do like this movie. This was one of the parts I was like, oh, I was like Jesus, I was like, come on, man. Yeah. I
1: believe you called it cringeworthy. Yeah, did you really? You did. Was...
0: Was... See, I, I mean, I, I enjoy this conversation. I just think it could have been handled a little more deftly, yeah. not so on the nose. Yeah. They're just like sequels suck, yeah. man.
1: And then they smiled at the camera, it like yeah, just...
0: <laughs> just stared right down it. lens. I was like, what?
1: <laughs> what am I watching? Is that for me? <laughs>
0: But there's this there's this really odd moment where film class guy number one <laughs> quotes aliens and he says get away from her you bitch and Randy's like I believe the line is stay away from her you bitch this is film class right and everybody but, laughs but film class guy number one is right right yes. but but he takes it like a loss he's like you know what I mean but Randy's totally wrong I don't understand
2: well I I read on IMDb that. He said the other. He said his line. The wrong, like yeah. He said the wrong line. So Jamie Kennedy just said it to try to save oh the scene. God. Why didn't and they just <laughs> redo it? I don't know. So they just well, used the, that one. Yeah. Yeah. They only had. They, six I was going to say they
1: had to get this done. Yeah, like we don't care. It, we don't it. care. That is hilarious. It's a spoof. Just keep going. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But one thing we do get out of this scene is that everybody fucking loves Randy because he's just cracking jokes and doing impressions. (laughs) And I'm like, good for him. He found his group.
1: know exactly. And I I love Randy. And this is very much true to his character from the first movie. This is his element. This is very much his wheelhouse. I I love Randy. And I would have loved to take this this class class as well. Teacher's a dick. Yeah, but (laughs) (laughs) conversation's great.
0: True. But Sydney walks up to the door just as the class ends and gets Randy's attention. Before leaving, a girl asks Randy how he would make the sequel any different, and he says he would let the geek get the girl. And then he takes two pumps of breath spray like it's a fucking cartoon or yeah, something.
3: Wow. I love him.
0: No, he's great. But in the next scene, Sydney and Randy are discussing the stab murders as they walk through campus. Sydney says that it's obviously happening again, but Randy who is inexplicably speaking in a Cockney accent.
2: I, no.
1: <laughs> I was like, this, um, I, <laughs> this has to be a reference to something. Yeah, I just don't I'm know like, what. <laughs>
0: some very specific 90s movie that I did not see. But he says it's not. He says it's not. <laughs> but he calls it a coincidence, and he basically just asks if they can go back to their quasi-happy existence and forget about it. Just then, Sydney's boyfriend Derek Feldman, played by Jerry O'Connell, fucking yeah. climbs.
2: He climbs <laughs> up at the side of the no,
1: his is walkway. Very
0: I don't know why he did Love that. Just that meet them,
2: man. It's Trip McNeely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but he goes to meet up with them. He expresses his concern because he also heard the news. And they keep walking together with Randy, very visibly no, yes, acting as the third he wheel. He
1: came in and butted Randy out yes. of his own conversation. <laughs> And Sydney's and, just like, no, Yeah, like, it's it's pretty <laughs> shitty. You're an asshole, dude. Like, and, that's not okay.
0: Uh, it gets even more annoying because Derek's like, I've got the cure for whatever. And he just kisses.
1: Because well, Randy's like, what is it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> he's
0: like, no, please. I'm very scared.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they walk off, leaving Randy behind, who tells them to get a room. And so for me personally, I'm like already out of the gate. I don't like Derek.
1: Yeah. My My opinion uh, definitely. What? No, my opinion changes of him later. But. Judging by this scene, because we already love Randy. Yeah, uh, and so anybody
0: that's gonna be yeah well, hurt Randy's feelings,
2: Jerry O'Connell.
1: <laughs> no, Jerry O'Connell's great, and Isn't I do I do you know, end up liking Derek. Right? Yes. No, uh, but yeah, this first scene, like fuck he you, does, dude. Like, he,
2: he is a jerk.
0: Fucking yeah. climbing yeah. over walls and third wheeling. It was, just, it was mean. a Character we love, <laughs> Spider Man. Fuck that guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was really mean. Yeah.
0: But we get a sweeping shot over the college campus as we see news vans and police vehicles, as well as Sydney and Randy walking together with Derek and Hallie trailing close behind. Which is a very odd configuration, considering we just saw the scene end with them walking
1: Yeah,
0: but just then. We see Gail Weathers played by Courtney Cox Arquette.
1: That's my girl. Oh, no, I love her. She's fantastic. And her chunky highlights. Yeah. It's just great. I just <laughs> noticed it was
0: bright red. I was like, what is it going on? Oh, is that highlights? Is yeah. that what they call yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> There's streaks.
0: Oh, um, yeah. we've Yeah. <laughs> She's very defiantly talking on the phone, saying the studio would be foolish to pull stab from theaters, proclaiming that they'll break box office records with all the free publicity. So she has not changed. No, she's,
1: she is still such a bitch. Like, but
0: you love her. It's
1: so great.
0: She plays it so well. But her new cameraman, Joel Jones, played by Dwayne Martin, introduces himself. Gail gives him the skinny in the only way that Gail can. I point, you shoot. <laughs> <laughs> But as they're walking, Debbie Salt, a journalist played by the always fantastic Laurie Metcalf. She's a treasure. Yes. uh, yes. yes. She was just fresh off of Roseanne. I think Roseanne ended the. Oh, oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Didn't it end in 97? Yeah. So you watch that. I I
1: love her so much. No,
0: She's great. But she's gushing to Gail about her book. She says that she attended her seminar in Chicago and is a huge fan because Gail's like, you did look familiar. But. She quickly transitions into interview mode and saying, you know, it would be an honor to get a quote from you for Mm -hmm. my story. And it's like, damn, she did attend the seminar. because This is some (laughs) Gail weather shit. But Gail basically blows her off by giving her a really facetious quote about how her flattery is very desperate and obvious.
1: And someone in the background goes, ouch. (laughs) Well, it was me. It was just insult to injury. You
0: don't have to pile on. But Gail starts getting swarmed by other reporters, and then a press conference is just beginning with Chief Lewis Hartley, played by Lewis Arquette, who is David Arquette's yes. father, and at the time, Courtney Cox's father in law.
1: That's so funny.
0: Yeah. But before the chief can get into his prepared remarks, Gail makes with the questions. Will the killer strike again? What precautions are you taking? Will there be a curfew? Etc. He literally puts away his prepared remarks and just yeah. starts answering. Them. It's like mm, this is more well, interesting. And yeah. she makes
1: sure that instead of showing him that the camera is only on her while yeah, she's that's asking the question. Yeah. <laughs> also, I noticed for as big as she is right now, her name
0: was not on her news van. Like it it just said some fucking <laughs> random <laughs> shit. It what? wasn't like you know, storm time with Gale, Gale- Weathers yeah. or whatever, you know. <laughs> yes, I started with storm time. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Had to do better than that. But Sydney, Randy, Derek, Hallie, and Mickey get a look at the press conference with Randy cracking wise about the fame hungry Gale. And oddly, Mickey is taping him as he's doing it. It's like, why is this like jackass? Yeah, <laughs> he's like, this is crashing a press conference. <laughs> like, what the fuck? But Randy he should have
1: been filming Derek jumping over that wall. <laughs> yeah, no. that's, now that's impressive. <laughs>
0: But Randy bails to get a closer look after Sydney reminds him that Gail saved their lives. Which she did. Yes. Out of nowhere, a group of very stereotypical sorority sisters led by Lois and Murphy, played by Rebecca Gayhart and Portia de Rossi, respectively.
1: I completely forgot that was them. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: I forgot about Rebecca Gayhart because I always associate her with urban legends. I For always sure. forget yes. she was in Scream yes. 2. But I remember Portia de Rossi because I always thought it was interesting that her hair and her eyebrows are different colors.
1: I love that. I love that she was rocking a full brow in 97. I dug it. (laughs) I'm sorry, man.
0: I love a thick brow. But (laughs) they walk up and they remind Hallie and Sydney about the martini mixer they've got going on tonight. They then offer their condolences to Sydney and say that they've got their eye on her, I guess for membership or whatever, but they bail.
1: So my question is, is this for like everybody's paying attention to Sydney? Cindy. <laughs> so you
0: see how easy it is.
1: <laughs> Everybody's paying attention to Sydney right now. So she should be by us. So they pay attention to us too.
0: You know what I thought this was? What? Red herring.
1: Mm,
0: We've got you're, our eye on you. Prob- yeah. You're
1: probably right.
0: And there's a lot of them. there's st-
1: One might say too many of them.
0: <laughs> but after they leave, Mickey's like, the Delta Lambdas are the biggest group of fucking. And Hallie's like, hey, Stone, <laughs> I'm trying to join them. But just then, Sydney looks off in the distance and says, Oh my God. Before walking off from the group, we see. St- Standing by a tree, just wandering aimlessly, (laughs) is none other than Dewey Riley, played by David Arquette.
1: And I want to put an emphasis on wandering aimlessly.
2: he tried to look lost on purpose in front of a tree.
1: So, another red herring, maybe? I don't know. He's like, is
2: this the tree? (laughs) I don't. Where Where am I? are you doing, Mr. Tree? Oh, hey, Cindy. What the fuck?
0: My thing is, look, my university had about 10,000 students. Right? Right. He comes here just expecting to just on day one find Sydney. Yeah. Like you don't know shit about her schedule, about anything.
1: It's just odd. The way that he's reintroduced is very yeah. weird to me. It's like,
0: well, we're doing everybody else. Throw him in. Yeah. yeah. You know? No, it'll be fine. Yeah. They're
1: gonna be so happy to
2: see him. They're not gonna exactly. ask Maybe why they did. That's you know? why he looked lost. They were like, just get on yeah. here. He's like, Where well, do what you do you I, want I do? Me? Where's my mark? Just Where look do around. I stand? Right. Action! What, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs>
0: That was David Arquette. That wasn't uh, even. Yes. <laughs> but some almost like Final Fantasy VIII style music starts <laughs> to play as Sidney hugs him.
2: I uh, The music it sometimes is it's like. It's a little odd. Yeah. And what's
0: crazy to me is that. It's the inauguration ball. The music was done. <laughs> yes, exactly. The music was done by Marco Beltrami, but there's also music in this film that's done by Danny Elfman. Yes. And Hans Zimmer. Yes.
2: That's insane.
0: So it's like, I don't know who is responsible for this, but it sounds like Final (laughs) Fantasy.
2: No, earlier, too, when... uh Sydney is leaving her house like after she has a little talk with the roommate and then uh-huh. she's leaving at the beginning like the music is like rock music it's like, yeah. and it's like and really intense like John Wick everybody's looking at her like <laughs> oh sh-. I was like I was like isn't the music was bad it was No, no, no. like no, that no, was but an odd choice to put it there
1: it's not consistent no, the film. No, no
2: and that's exactly
0: the problem that I had had with the first Scream movie is that the music feels oddly placed yeah it doesn't necessarily fit all the time although I do love this theme that Dewey sees I, that I, I, going it's, I was it's, to say, great. It
1: seems to be Dewey's song. Yes, it
0: feels like his.
1: But yeah, there is no consistency yeah. with the music in this. Because you're right. That scene, it's like Roger. Yeah, like,
2: it was weird.
0: Like, <laughs> what Damn. the hell? Is
1: she going to kill somebody? It's too
0: intense. Is she ghostface? <laughs> but. <laughs> Dewey says that he heard the news and took the first plane here. It's never stated in the film outright, but it's believed that this is taking place in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Also, Dewey is holding his arm in a very awkward position, which I assume is the result of him being stabbed in the back mm-hmm. in the
1: first film. <laughs> and I just want to say, David Arquette makes some interesting choices with his, his injuries. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because they're not consistent I was going to say, much like the music, it is not consistent. No.
0: But the two sit down to chat. Sydney says that things were going okay before the murders. She actually has her first starring role in the theater coming up in a couple of days. She has a boyfriend as well who doesn't appear to be a psycho. Dewey is super happy to hear all of this, and he tells her that he was just worried. He kind of goes full Captain Bringdown, though, and he tells her, he's like, look, if someone's trying to copycat <laughs> Billy and Stu, it's probably someone you already know, someone that's already in your life, and she's like, you think I don't yeah, know I, that? I more? know Dewey. I yeah. know yeah. But he tells her, you know, kind of like a big brother, you know, watch out, keep an eye out. He says he's going to hang around and try to work with the local police to make sure that she's safe. And she says that she'd be honored if he did that. He then takes very labored steps down the stairs and leaves. Firstly, great to see them back on screen together again. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) But my only complaint here is no
1: mention of Tatum. No, it's like she never existed. Yeah,
0: I thought that would be perfect for this, you know, because it was like a year ago or two, I guess, in their film timeline. Right. But his sister was murdered and she was Sydney's best friend. Yeah.
1: And Gail mentions it later. Once later. But yeah.
0: And you get one shot
2: of Dewey looking away and you're like, that's not enough. You answered my question. I was going to say, who the fuck is that? (laughs) Oh my (laughs) God. And
0: that's the problem.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Who the fuck is
0: that? (laughs) But Sydney rejoins the group with Derek asking who that was. She calls Dewey an old friend and a surrogate big brother. Derek looks back in Dewey's direction, and what appears to be like jealousy, almost. Yeah. It's like, dude, stop. Again, I'm like, I don't like this guy yet. But Randy is like, I'm gonna go say hi to him.
1: Yeah. Why well, didn't Dewey want to see Randy? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't.
1: I'm done. Well, <laughs> just well, he came to check
0: Sydney. He was closer with.
1: I understand, but she Randy the night was... At his yeah, he house. was. He probably makes with her. Randy... Randy was definitely in the mix. Yeah, yeah but he's Randy. Yeah, no. <laughs> stop. It. I mean, I
0: like Randy, but you know, not Sydney. But Mickey starts bringing up the gritty details about the stab murders, and Derek makes him drop it, which reminded me a lot of the scene in the first film. Exactly. Yeah. Is it true they put her liver in the mailbox or whatever? (laughs) Yeah. Next to her spleen and pancreas, but literally out of nowhere, (laughs) didn't
1: Billy call him a fuck rag in that scene?
0: (laughs) Yes, he did, and he deserved it.
1: It's called tact. You fuck rag.
0: Yeah, because fuck rag is so tactful. (laughs) But literally, out of nowhere, Gail ambushes Sydney with an on screen interview with Cotton Weary.
1: The nerve of this.
0: <laughs> Unbelievable. And after all they went through, it's like, fuck you. We're, no, we're literally back to
1: square one. Yeah.
0: And I was just defending you to Randy, by the way.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you weren't there
0: for that, but come on, man. But Cotton's there in the flesh, and Gail immediately begins with a pointed question. Cotton very politely and succinctly says it's forgive and forget for him, and he just wants to get back on with his life. Sydney calls Gale a bitch for the ambush, which
1: <laughs> is valid very yeah. much.
0: And then backhands her before storming off.
1: Bam! Bitch went <laughs> down. Exactly. Yeah.
0: It's a little derivative. <laughs> I feel like the first one went a little bit better. Yeah. But Cotton looks around confused, and we realize that he thought Sydney agreed
2: to the interview.
1: Yeah, he didn't even know.
2: Gail just lied to him. That's a shitty thing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Gail sucks,
1: dude. Yeah. We, we
2: got the interview. Just come over yes. here. Yes. they don't. Need, she doesn't even know what the hell is going on. That's why on. Yeah. he was
1: like, "I'm prepared." Like he was. He thought <laughs> he it was, was legit. Yeah.
2: And but he.
0: He's not very... He seems very calm and subdued as Gale walks off. It's almost like Fargo-level anger. He's like, oh, geez, there.
3: Uh, Gale. Gale. I mean, heck.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But Gale reminds her cameraman of his loyalty, telling him to check his conscience at the door before storming off. Now... I had hoped that she would have grown a little bit more after Woodsboro. Nope. But no, that book fame went right. I was going to say, but she
1: did write a very exploitative book that True. has right. at least a few lies
2: in yeah. it. Yeah. So
0: yeah, I mean, I guess we shouldn't be too surprised. Yeah. And that book, not the book, the movie is fucking disrespectful. And yes, she's like, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> sign off on that. No, she, yeah, because she's like, keep it in theaters. Yeah. So yeah. She's do probably not seen it. it out. She's like, yeah, when they gut fucking Casey, <laughs> I'm like, dude, what the hell? But as she storms off, she bumps into Dewey, who asks her to leave Sydney alone. He also tells her that his name is Dwight and not to call him Dewey anymore,
1: <laughs> which is a little petty.
0: That was a little much.
1: It's very petty. And he's very upset, which he has every right oh, to be. Oh, yeah.
0: He. Yeah.
1: But it is still nice to see them together again. again. <laughs>
0: yeah. He does quote a, a few very unflattering passages about him from her book, and she tells him not to take it personally.
2: She's smiling the whole time. Yeah. She's, she's like, Come like on. he read it. Right. Well, yeah. Well, no. she's, she
0: goes, You did read my book. He's like, Yeah, I did. And fucking page 48. <laughs> but he then goes on a pretty impressive diatribe saying, You know, what if on the surface I appear in experience, but it's really an act to give me the proper cover to effectively maneuver through any given situation? He ran out of breath. That <laughs> was very that. funny.
1: I love doing
0: But. At this point, they look at each other, and honestly, the sexual tension is off the charts. Yeah.
1: <laughs> were were they Were they married right now? Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. So of course, great. Of
0: course, they have great chemistry. Yeah. Honestly, that's I'd say maybe the only celebrity breakup that hurt me that personally. That actually hurt. Yeah. I think it hurt me the most. <laughs> <laughs> but she reaches out her hands to touch his face and apologize, but he recoils like her hands are made of spiders.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yes,
0: he does. <laughs> But she apologizes, and then he says he's sorry for misjudging her. He then comes back to say one more thing, nice streaks. (laughs) But that night at the Mixer that we've heard so much about, Sydney actually accompanies Hallie, who defends her interest in joining the sorority. She asks about Sydney again, who says she's fine, and Hallie says, yeah, fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. I'm like, that's my new Twitter bio. (laughs) (laughs) That is great. (laughs) But Lois and Murphy walk up to greet them, surprised that Sydney actually showed up. They ask if the girls want drinks, and they say they do, but that they'll get them themselves and walk off, because I guess that's how you make friends. Back at another sorority house, Cece is on the phone with a friend talking about some soap opera bullshit.
1: They're talking about party of five. That's hilarious. And Nev Campbell was in Party that of Five. That is hilarious. Uh. So yeah. <laughs> it's a little I meta. No, uh. it was like super funny.
0: I did read that the voice on the other end of the phone with Cece is actually Selma Blair in a cameo role.
1: What the hell? So <laughs> random. And we never see her. No. That's hilarious. But she gets a call on the other
0: line and she switches over, and it's a very gravelly voice that is familiar to us. Mm-hmm. But she assumes it's some guy called Ted who is drunk. So she gets off the phone with her friend and goes back to the
2: other line to talk to Ted. Now, I have a problem with this scene. She's got her fucking shoes on the couch. I was guessing she that. did. It's the unacceptable. The whole time. Yes. And it she wasn't did. like like right on the edge to where like at least the bottom, the soles of your shoes are right. like off, not quite on there. She even curls up and put her fucking, <laughs> like her boots in, on the cushions. I,
0: I just want to say one thing in defense. It's Sarah
2: Michelle Geller. <laughs> take your shoes off when you get on. My she has
1: no house training, clearly. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, I, I mean, she can do whatever she wants. Well, uh, take your shoes off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but the voice on the other end says that he is not Ted. Oddly, she just starts chatting with him like it's normal. And we get this, like, almost stalker-like camera angles creeping around the house as she talks to the person on the phone. But it turns out all the other sisters are at an event, and she's all alone because she's the sober sister responsible for all the others. We get a few lines of questions back and forth. Also, a shot of Nosferatu on the television, which is pretty cool for Buffy to be watching a vampire. Yeah. But I don't think she was Buffy yet. She wasn't. It's foreshadowing. It's not, but... (laughs) Then the voice decides to drop all pretense, asking, do you want to die tonight, Cece? I was like,
1: whoa, (laughs) dude, what the hell? Yeah, it's
0: like, I thought we were talking about... (laughs) But it hangs up after that. Cece's friend calls back and she tells her what happened. And the friend says, you know, stab just came out. It's bringing out all the crazies. Just then she hears a noise upstairs. Her asshole friend starts making those creepy Jason, like Friday the 13th (laughs) noises. Fucked up. We are no longer friends. But Cece's like, I'm out of here. Actually, the smart move. Right. And she steps outside, but the line starts breaking up with her friend. Through the static, though, her friend tells her to call the campus security. So she does. Again, another Mm -hmm. smart move. The static continues, though, with the campus security. And so she steps inside to get better reception. But then the line disconnects.
2: But she was just inside on the phone and it was fine. Yeah, I don't know. No, well, yeah, unless... she was
1: literally an inch out the door. Yeah, the... It.
0: unless goat, fa- go goat, goat face, <laughs> goat face. <laughs> unless goat face is like <laughs> and cut the line He was but eating he didn't, the line He did <laughs> <'cause... laughs>
1: <laughs> they'll eat anything. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't cut the line because it works in a second.
0: Yeah, well, oh yeah, that's also true.
1: And <laughs> no static.
2: Yeah, no. no. All.
0: But from the darkness lurches another random sorority sister called Donnie, who apparently did not go to the mixer yet. So we get a little jump scare there. Mm -hmm. The phone rings again and Donnie answers. It's the voice again, but this time he says it is Ted. (laughs) In the background, we literally see Ghostface slinking around. <laughs> oh, my God. Not, not carrying a phone, though. No. So we already know that there's two killers.
1: Oh, shit. You're right.
0: Because, yeah. Unless he's got a headset under yeah. that mask. he's yeah. like, hey, is Cece there?
2: <laughs> but if it just came out, they would have had to show the it's headset. The cast, <laughs> and it would have been huge yeah. and bulky.
0: But Donnie leaves, telling Cece to set the alarm when she does. So Cece locks the door behind her. She gets on the phone, and the voice says, you wish it was Ted. Just very (laughs) but he says don't forget to set the alarm stupidly she sets the alarm even though the person would have had to have been inside to hear donnie say that
1: but also the phone is working now so maybe hang up
0: call campus security this time or
1: the straight up police or both. that's true i'm just saying she was making
0: smart decisions (laughs) she was she started she started good but Cece cautiously creeps around the house and the music gets pretty tense at this point. She comes to a doorway with the door like kind of covering the wall and she checks behind it but sees nothing. The phone rings again and she picks it up. She says hello and then a closed door behind her just bursts open. Ghostface comes at her with a knife. A chase ensues as CC runs upstairs and she... Throws a potted plant at Ghostface, which does nothing to yeah. at all.
1: I feel like, as a whole, she does not put up much of a fight, not like, really whatsoever. And of
0: course, running upstairs. Mm-hmm. So they keep running up the stairs, and at one point, she does try to throw a bike at him. <laughs> She's like, "The plant didn't work, but I got a, I got Plan B, Plan Bike."
1: Why is there a bike all the way up at the top of the? I don't
0: know. he's just waiting for who there? lives in this house. As they get to the top floor, though, he catches up to her and he throws her through a glass door that's leading to a balcony. He fucking stabs her in the back a couple times and then throws her off the balcony for good measure. We get a shot of her falling in slow motion to the ground before seeing her all splayed out in a pool of blood. Now, there's an issue here. (laughs) (laughs) There's a few. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. (laughs) She was thrown like, what the fuck? How do you call that? Front? First? (laughs) Yeah. Face down. Face down, there we go. (laughs) She was thrown to where she would have landed like on her face. But when we see her, she's on her back all
1: but the staging is great, but like Oh it looks fantastic. She she didn't fall like that. I don't know why they
0: didn't just
2: throw her the other way. way. Whatever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you wanted that shot. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and this same shot Uh when he's throwing her over the railing. To down mm-hmm. if you look in the bottom right hand corner you see a crew member <laughs> pick their head up to catch her when she's falling it's for a second but you can see uh, it. Uh, six months I, yeah. i'm trying
0: but ghostface looks down at her he wipes his knife clean and breaks out
1: not fully clean no, no. he did his best <laughs>
0: Back at the party, Lois and Murphy very awkwardly talk about how the sorority stands for safe sex and personal responsibility. They mention doing it harmonica style, which I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> I don't know. We can Urban Dictionary. It, I'm afraid but I don't. <laughs> to Urban Dictionary. <laughs> but apparently, harmonica style is okay. But pressing on, <laughs> Randy pops up with some cocktails for the girls, and Sydney makes a break for it with Derek, who also appears in the background, though. You see a very blurry, very blonde man. For some reason, Matthew Lillard was visiting the yes. set <laughs> and he made a cameo. Now, He's just in the background. Just there. Yeah. For me personally, though, his tweets recently about Scream 5, I'm like, well, he was in Scream 3. So maybe, that, uh, was, maybe yeah. that was
1: Stu. Yeah. Hmm, I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. Also coming to town, check-in. <laughs> Took the first flight. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Mickey tries to score with Hallie and strikes out. Derek catches up with Sydney, who, big surprise, said she will not be pledging to this sorority. <laughs> Lois and Murphy crash the scene, though, saying that something is up at the other sorority house and that police are everywhere.
1: They're so excited. Yeah, yes. they're like happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> What's
2: there to be happy about?
0: Uh, everyone bails the party to check it out, though, much like they did when the principal died in the first film. Sidebar, red right hand by Nick and the bad seeds begins to play again. Yes. Always a treat. At the other sorority house, we see Debbie speaking with the officers on the scene, and she surmises that the crime scene was not a suicide. Gail then appears, and Debbie fills her in on the situation. Single victim, sorority girl, and she says, it's not good. <laughs> no, Which, I mean, <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, but she bails immediately. She's like, I got a deadline, and just leaves. <laughs> Gail snaps at her cameraman to get going, and then Dewey fucking eases into the frame like a phantom. <laughs> Did you notice he was just there? <laughs> Gail admits, she's like, it's happening again. And Dewey's like, you'd love that, wouldn't you? It's like, he's not over he's, the... Uh, he's still cum. salty. <laughs> Joel tells Gail that he might not be cut out for this, but she doesn't give a shit. She's like, get shooting. Back at the sorority house, Derek tells Sydney to get her jacket so they can go home.
1: He sends her inside by herself. Yes, he does. And then you get this weird shot of him on the porch looking yeah, all weird. Yeah, it makes
2: him look... Very red yeah, herring. As again. the
1: kids say, sus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So
0: Sydney does head back inside, and the phone starts to ring. She throws her jacket on, trying to ignore the phone and just leave. But instead, she answers Why it. This this is
2: not your you are, house.
1: Yes. Why this is the is hell would you answer it? You don't want to join us? You're not yeah, yeah. here. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I didn't get yeah. that at all. I don't care how long it rings. I Somebody's calling exactly, you Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. No, I'm gone. But she
0: answers no, it. She no, does. No. And a very familiar voice says, hello, Sydney. Remember me? And then he tells her that he wants her and that it's showtime.
1: <laughs> and I was hoping that she'd call him a cretin but she didn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Bring back the
0: the lines we know and love.
1: It's like, "Oh, you're back, you cretin." <laughs> <laughs>
0: But she's like, show yourself. And Ghostface is like, All right. fucking pops mm. out yeah. of nowhere. Like He actually says, my pleasure. <laughs> no joke. Because the door's shut and he's standing in front of it. Which So Derek didn't see the door shut. Yeah, He's just standing there. Yeah, But he advances on her. Derek does try to get back inside, but the door's locked now.
1: The door is locked from the outside and the inside somehow. She can't get out and he can't get in. So I don't understand.
0: It's a weird sorority, man. Okay. Okay. But Ghostface stabs through the door, nearly piercing Derek right in the face. And he goes,
2: whoa. <laughs> uh, he's geez, What do yeah, you say? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, again, though, the amount, the Zoinks. force to get that through the door. Yeah, and th- not- This is a door door.
0: Yeah, not, it's not a
2: bathroom
1: stall. No.
0: But Derek watches through the window as Sidney continues a chase with an incredibly clumsy ghost face. Yeah. Wh- yeah.
2: I mean, like, yeah, wasn't he just throwing people off roofs? Yeah. And now he's tripping over yeah, exactly. fucking couches <laughs> and stuff.
0: So this is where I'm kind of like, you know, I don't I there was a scene like this in the first movie where I'm like, I think Ghostface is just wanting to fuck around with Sidney. I don't think that this is supposed to he's not trying to kill her. right this
1: now. This isn't when she's supposed to die.
0: Right. He's just like, I'm here. So, you know. But Sydney makes an exit into the backyard and bumps into Derek who came around and runs inside. Dewey rushes over as well heading inside after Derek. We hear the sounds of a very weak struggle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's real weak and Dewey notices blood on a door frame. He opens the door and we see Derek on the ground with his arms slashed. Derek points Dewey in the direction of Ghostface. But when Dewey runs over there, all he sees is the front door wide open with Lois and Murphy standing there, asking if everything's okay.
2: This dude calls her for backup. He says, "Hey, Sydney, come, get, let's go get him or something." <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, when he points him in the direction, he goes, Sydney, this way." What are you calling Why would- <laughs> her? <laughs> Why are you, you staying outside? You've what seen is enough.
0: That? I thought you were protecting her. Right. <laughs> But we do zoom in on Sydney who walks in and she has tears in her eyes. And I'm sorry, but Derek is suspicious as fuck right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He he literally is all like, I'll deliver this baby, runs inside. <laughs> and we don't even <laughs> see him get slashed. No. no. So that's worrisome. It's like, uh, uh, oh, yeah. no, my arm or yeah. whatever. And then he opens the door.
1: <laughs> and then it, it only gets more suspicious when we find out the nature of his yes, wound. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So in the next scene... The police are interviewing everyone at the hospital, actually. They've just finished with Mickey and say that they're going to interview Hallie next. In the background, we do see Wes Craven cameo as a doctor. Uh. Yeah, (laughs) it's pretty cool. But Mickey calls the interrogation the easiest of his crime-filled life. So he's just a sarcastic little. Right. But as Hallie goes to grab a cup of coffee, Mickey sits down next to Sydney and checks in on her. She says that she is not all right and that she knew this was going to happen. Mickey tells her that she isn't alone and that everyone's here for her. And she says that poor girl talking about Cece. Yeah. And she also says that Derek could have been killed.
1: Yeah. And Mickey goes, "The '90s is no time to be a hero," which I don't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know what that even means. All right. Yes, we know what decade it is. Like they they insist on the decade like five times yeah. in this movie. Oh yeah. It's oh, a lot. they do. Yeah. yeah. And all that does is date the film. <laughs> But Mickey says Derek shouldn't have played hero and asked why anyone would go back in that house anyway, which to me was another red herring situation. Yes, because it's like, first of all, it's very weird that Derek did go in there. But then it's also weird that, you know, Derek went in there because who told you that?
2: Oh, (sighs) yeah. Double suspense.
0: So I'm like, damn, they're really working all angles here. (laughs) But Derek explains to the police what happened as he's getting bandaged up. They're like, no struggle. He just cut you and ran away. And Dewey's like, seems convenient. Mm-hmm. Derek's like, say what? And Dewey's like, no, I'm he just... He
3: backtracks.
1: <laughs> like, yeah. no, I mean, the whole thing. Yeah, he's, he's just... just
0: saying, you know, it's just convenient. It's a shame he got away. But Derek blames Dewey and he's like, it's a shame you got there too late. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, he wasn't even supposed to be there, yeah. first of you all. You should have gone inside with yeah, and you know what? That's another red herring. Yeah, why did because you send her, why her in there was, alone? And why was Dewey at the other house in the first
2: place? He and didn't yeah, know Sydney was going to be he there. Did just oh, kind
0: of yeah. sidle up, and yeah. So appeared. it's just
1: on see, top of red herring. Everybody's a suspect. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> That's what I
2: think they were just throwing him in scenes. Now you go. Yeah. <laughs> like, what?
1: David Arquette's like, "Where am yeah. I?" <laughs>
0: but in the next scene, we see that the town is abuzz with media. In the police station, the chief writes down the names of the victims on a chalkboard. Maureen Evans, Phil Stevens, and CeCe Cooper. It's revealed that CeCe's real name is Casey, and a light bulb goes off for Gail. Maureen Evans, Maureen Prescott, Phil Stevens, Stephen Orth, Casey Cooper, Casey Becker. All new victims correspond to the original victims from the Woodsboro murders in the first film. And it looks like they've got a copycat on their hands. So Dewey asks what's being done to keep Sydney safe. Mm -hmm. And the chief says he has his two best detectives guarding her. Mm -hmm. This is never brought up again. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) And I thought it was very neat.
1: It, you're right because it's like if your name is Tatum or if your last yeah. name is Riley. <laughs> yeah, stay the hell
0: inside or whatever. But
1: report to the quad. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, never comes up again.
1: You're right. They should like, have
0: been like sequestering specific like people, potential yeah. victims. Yeah, but instead they're just like, well, it's a free ball. In it's it, like, wow, you know?
1: neat, and then yeah. never. <laughs> Isn't that cool, guys?
0: <laughs> but back on campus, Derek and Sydney are walking together with the two best detectives following close behind. <laughs> Derek jokes asking how he's ever going to get her alone, another red herring situation, and Sidney says it might be best for him to stay away from her for his own good. He then goes all action hero, and he's like, I'll take my chances.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And also, I think you may be a murderer is literally written on her face. Well, yeah, she,
0: I mean, it's a very thinly veiled, (laughs) you're suspicious. But he asks her if she's concerned about him or does she not trust him? And she says that she doesn't want to see him get hurt and walks away, which does not answer his nope, question. not yeah. at all. And the two detectives kind of just skulk behind him. Gail and Dewey leave the station and Gail asks him basically if he wants to work with her to figure things out. He's not about that life. And she's like, will you smile just once? And he's like, I'll smile when I catch the killer. <laughs> and he walks away. <laughs> but Debbie shows up along with more reporters asking Gail who she thinks the killer is. Debbie says that Sydney's dad is out of the country on business and speculates that Dewey could be the killer, which I'd like to point out. Dewey heard about what was going on in Ohio and took the first plane there. Sydney's dad, dad was dad like, oh, Yes, I, one plane to I, Paris. I, yeah. <laughs> I have the same thought. It's like I was in a fucking. They threw me in a yeah, closet. Yeah, I just, he almost got killed. <laughs> exactly. last Exactly. Yeah, he's like, like, I don't want any I part have of The it.
1: same thought. a i thought it was really lazy exposition.
0: Yeah, maybe like the actor was busy and they could.
1: Exactly <laughs> as to where her dad is in the first place, and B, it's like what a shitty dad. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's
0: like I am out of here. Would you be like either
1: come home or I'm coming to you? Exactly. Like, right, well, you know if right. you're a good father, you know. <laughs>
0: but apparently is not.
1: <laughs> I just, none of that made sense. Nah. I didn't like no. any of that so at all. So
0: fuck you, Mr. Prescott. <laughs> <laughs> but Gail says that Dewey's a good guy, couldn't possibly be the killer, but she does say, Dewey's a good guy, unlike some of us, and then walks off. Suspicious. Very much. Again. Mm.
1: She's the murderer. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. So Debbie is like, "Look, all I'm saying is that if the killer is repeating what happened in Woodsboro, then maybe the killer is from Woodsboro, which then makes us suspect everyone from Woodsboro." Yeah. Right. Which it
1: sh- it's a fair in point. her defense. It is a very fair point, but also it's not because Gail just gave everyone in the world the information on what happened in Woodsboro. That is also true. Yeah. So you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, you not, didn't have to be there. It's Like, if only
0: there were a book that explained or a uh, fucking
1: movie. Happened, yeah, make
0: it easier for <laughs> I you. Mean, That's
2: true. Don't even gotta read it. Yeah, no. I didn't even
1: think about
0: that. In the cafeteria, (laughs) Mickey sits down with Hallie and Derek and suggests that Randy could be the killer, but is shot down immediately by Hallie.
1: Yeah, first of all, we don't talk about Randy like that.
0: Back off. So Sydney sits down with her food and tells Hallie the names of the detectives that are kind of keeping watch. And they're seated at another table and we get a shot of them. It's Officer Richards and Officer Andrews. I don't know who is who. I just want to point no, that out. No, not <laughs> And I actually read that their names were Officer Andrew Richards and Officer Richard Andrews. So <laughs> oh, my God. That's <laughs> ridiculous. Even they didn't know who the fuck, you know, so I'm just not even going to bother. <laughs>
1: that is ridiculous.
0: <laughs> but Derek looks annoyed as she does this because I guess he's like, yeah, they're they're fucking getting into my personal well, space.
1: He, <laughs> pulled,
2: he pulled out a chair for her to sit down and she just straight sat on the other side. Also a, true. I was like, oh, yeah. poor guy. Got dissed
0: very quietly. Yeah. yeah. But then he just breaks into song, <laughs> a la Tom Cruise from Top yeah, Gun, yeah. jumping from table to table with all the students clapping.
1: It's like, dude, that's my lunch. Like, you, yeah, you just <laughs> stepped on my apple. <laughs> <laughs> it's my applesauce.
0: But the song concludes and everyone applauds, especially Mickey. He's very He's like, yeah. give it up for. Him. Yeah, Derek gives Sydney a necklace, which apparently is his Greek letters. And he says it's good luck, but Mickey and Hallie say, you know, it's a big fraternity faux pas for the frat brothers to be giving away their letters, and they're going to get his ass for this. Which
1: I appreciate them explaining yeah, that I don't because know what, I, did yeah, know. I didn't know, I don't know what the <laughs> fuck was That's going on. I'm not about
0: that life. And it was, the thing was is that it was very expositional, but I was very appreciative. of it. Because I don't know exactly. anything about that.
1: That, um, that performance was the audition for Derek. That's really? hilarious. Yes. They, whoever auditioned <laughs> for him had to do that song Good no. Lord. and i guess jerry o'connell was that the ass. best yeah it
0: wasn't the best performance okay <laughs> no <it. laughs> a little off key yeah it was a little uh, pitchy dog
2: <laughs> i enjoyed this really and i i a little embarrassed to say that i enjoyed this scene but it didn't need to be in the movie i will agree I
1: it didn't. didn't. It I was... feel like
2: it endears Derek.
0: <sighs> yeah, because the whole time I, I thought he was an asshole. Yeah, and then this kind of softens I, I, him.
2: I get that, but this was a little misplaced. I don't think it needed to be there, or it could have been something else. Yeah, you know, him getting up and telling her a poem or something. You didn't need to do no. all that. jumping know, from Yeah, to <laughs> you didn't need to do
0: that. One thing I would change is that. Derek is pre-med, but he's doing this thing that he basically stole from a movie. Why isn't Derek just a film student? Hmm.
1: That's a good question. Because they make him
0: pre-med, and so they're like, you know, because of his arm. Exactly. They made him
1: pre-med because his arm, the injury on his arm missed every major artery. And he would
2: have known how to do that because he is pre-med. Now, I don't know anything about... Doctor school, but he's got a lot of free time he to fuck around. Sure he should be like, Look,
0: sure. Sydney, I'm really busy. I'm glad these two guys are watching your back because yeah. I got a lot of studying to do. But, right? He's jumping yes. over walls. Yeah. Yes. He's dancing exactly. on tables. Exactly. He's it's hanging like, you're not out. Pre-med. Every time you're undeclared, you yeah, fucking really. liar.
1: suspicious.
0: <laughs> but the scene ends with Derek and Sydney kissing, and it seems like everything is going to be okay for about five seconds. <laughs> We then see on a television, Tori Spelling being interviewed about her role as Sidney Prescott in Stab, yes. a direct callback to a throwaway line in the first film yes. where Sydney said this is exactly what would happen.
1: And she didn't want it to happen. No, <laughs> She said, with my luck, it'll be Tori Spelling. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it's cool that she agreed. Yeah. Wes, Wes Craven said she was a really good sport. And gladly accepted this little cameo, and,
1: and I'm glad she did because it is fucking no, hilarious. No, it's classic
0: because, good Lord, <laughs> Randy laments that they got a nobody to play him in the film while Dewey is played by David Schwimmer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's really bad casting. And very
0: odd. But this is when, on screen... We're treated to a hilarious scene from Stab with Luke Wilson amazingly <laughs> playing the part of Billy Loomis. But my issue with this is that the scene was so close to what actually yeah. happened. I was like, was Gail hiding in a locker <laughs>
2: yeah. with like a tape recorder and she just got the gist of it? Like, Nobody it is else so close. Is no. I, I would have paid to see that. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I would give my left testicle to see that. that I'm, was I'm sorry. So, yeah. <laughs> That was so funny. I was like, what is happening there? She's
1: not buried in a cemetery somewhere. Oh my God.
0: But Dewey and Randy sit down with their Baskin Robbins shakes, conveniently facing the camera as Randy (laughs) explains that if someone is trying to recreate what happened in Woodsboro, they need to understand the rules of sequels.
1: Come through with the rules, Mm -hmm. Randy.
0: Absolutely. Number one, the body count is always bigger. Number two, the death scenes are more elaborate and gory. Number three, if you want your series to become a franchise, never ever and then Dewey interrupts him.
1: <laughs> it's like, damn it, why? I wanna know what <laughs>
0: Which is a pretty good end joke because Kevin Williamson's like, maybe I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to know, but he asked Randy who the killer is. Randy suggests looking at the suspects. Derek, the Billy Loomis stand-in pre-med student with a knife wound that as you said missed every important artery. But then he moves on to Mickey, who he calls the freaky Tarantino film student. (laughs) But then he says, well, if he's a suspect, so am I. So let's get past it. Let's get past it. And quickly moves on. (laughs) Dewey says, maybe Randy's a suspect. And Randy's like, well, if I'm a suspect, then you're a suspect. So Dewey's like, let's get past it. Let's move on.
1: That was hilarious. That was
0: great. I fucking love this entire conversation, honestly. It's it's one of my favorite scenes in the
2: movie. (laughs) David Arquette's face, though, throughout the conversation. (laughs) He's he's like he's like unsure, and then he's like, oh, okay, wait a minute. What's up? (laughs) His performance is pretty fantastic (laughs) in this scene.
0: Randy then suggests Hallie, but Dewey says serial killers are usually white males, which Randy explains would be the genius of it. Lastly, Randy suggests Gail. Perhaps she's staging the news. And they both discuss their scars, I guess, from the previous film and their unrequited love for Gail and Sydney before Dewey shoots down the Gail theory. But Randy says that if Gail isn't the killer, she's at the very least a target. In the next scene, Joel confronts Gail about her book which he admits he probably should have read before taking the
1: job. Yeah, you think?
0: He basically tells her that any level-headed person would be getting the fuck out of here, which is what he plans to do, especially after what he found out happened to her first cameraman in the first film. Gail convinces him to stay, which he does incredibly reluctantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: but he says that Her cameraman was gutted and she's like, I lied. His throat was slashed. So I wonder, but I wonder how much she embellished and lied throughout the whole book.
0: She's like, and then I tried to save his life. She did (laughs)
1: not.
0: He literally just fell off the van. She was like, fuck. She called him
1: a fat fuck. Yeah. Oh, she did. Yeah. So
0: I'm sure she made herself look real good.
1: (laughs) My beloved kitty.
0: But in the theater, Sydney is discussing her upcoming role with her drama teacher, Gus, played by David Warner. She's expressing doubts with everything that's going on. But Gus goes full drama teacher on her and he's like, use the
1: pain. <laughs> I wish that this was something maybe that had been established in the first movie that she likes theater, theater or likes to perform because. Because you can do it in high school. You t- can totally. I did it in high and school. So did I. Um, this feels very left field because Sydney Prescott does not scream theater kid yeah, to me. no. So and he's like, "This is your major." It's like, "What are you? What?" Yeah. yeah. This?
2: Doesn't she want to be all by herself and hidden That's away? That's what I'm yeah. saying. Now you get be... me up
1: on that stage? Yeah. Like, it, not it really. Doesn't really fit her character at all. So I wish we would have had some kind of
0: like a yeah because there's nothing this
1: literally
0: anything. mention it maybe. makes no sense because after the media spectacle that was Maureen Prescott's trial, she shouldn't want to do anything, anything. With being in front of anything yeah.
1: and i can even see if she's like oh when i'm playing a different character i get to be somebody else but like okay. any kind of explanation yeah,
2: yeah any kind
1: of explanation because this does not fit to the sydney that we know yeah. to no. me
0: no you're right her drama teacher also says that nobody can avoid their fate it's very interesting that a teacher is explaining fate to a student in a horror film have Didn't,
1: we have we talked about that recently well i don't know maybe <laughs> seems familiar.
0: <laughs> The other interesting thing, though, is that this is also kind of a cameo because Wes Craven was a big fan of David Warner's work in The Omen. And Warner Mm. also apparently auditioned for the role of Freddie, according to IMDb. (laughs) Ah, (laughs) But after Sydney agrees to give it a go, they run through a rehearsal. They're doing the play Agamemnon, I believe, and she's playing the role of Cassandra.
1: It's creepy as shit. Oh, it's terrible. This scared the <laughs> shit out
0: of me when I was a kid because you got the Greek chorus or whatever the fuck they are, and their masks and their speech patterns, and it's just it's a lot. And then you got bodies coming down on stage yeah. props. It was horrifying. Well, I'm like, for I kind of want
1: to see this play <laughs>
0: yeah, it's I it very weird. creepy. Yeah. yeah. But apparently, I read on IMDb that there's a lot of thematic similarities between this mm. play and Scream Two, at makes least sense. Sydney's arc. Right. I don't know the play, so I can't speak to that. Yeah. But the entire chorus pulls out knives and she just moves through them, falling to the floor as she sees one of the actors wearing a ghost face mask.
1: (laughs) I laughed at the commitment that the mask is on, but they still have the hooded robes. Yeah, yeah, I'll wear the cloak.
0: (laughs) But you got to know it's me. So Gus watches as we get these frantic shots through the Greek chorus with flashes of Ghostface and lightning. Sydney falls to the floor, freaking the fuck out and everyone unmasks, but Ghostface is nowhere to be found. Uh,
1: that's what I was going to say. Did he sneak off or was he there at all? I don't think was
2: he, he was ever there. there at all. No, it's unclear. No, no. it it's it, <laughs> He fucking bumps into the guy right next to him. Uh-huh and literally basically says excuse me and sneaks right by him well it I'm looks right. like he kind of darts off no like, that's he, why he like- does but he has the knife out yeah the real yeah. knife <laughs> if you bump if you bump in I mean you got that big ass hunting knife out i'm gonna see it well even if you have the ghost face mask but what if you have your i mean your giant greek chorus mask might be getting in the way but then it would have covered ghost face so she wouldn't have known it was him he had to leave it up a little bit. Just no, he's to saying if saying, you were if in the chorus, you
0: I just see a dude in a robe. I'm like, man, he's really missing his cues. <laughs> You're well, supposed to be up yeah. there. And why aren't you but, saying anything? Do you not know your lines,
2: there, man? But we're doesn't, off book. <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't it, shouldn't everybody know what's going on? I didn't do theater, so I don't know how any of that works. Yes. But. They should be like, there's an extra guy here. Yeah,
1: they should.
2: That's why why I don't think he was there.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, I always thought he was. And then when I watched it this time, I'm like, is she just freaking out? No, he does sneak off. It's weird to me that she's in a play with a lot of stabbing going on in the first place. Yeah, it seems. (laughs) Uh, But also, it read a little, and I don't mean to generalize, so don't come for me, but it read a little false to me that these sorority girls, A, are in this play and B, are part of a masked chorus where they're not front and center because they as I want said, Sydney's part yeah, I, w- I no, was yeah. a theater kid and those girls but weren't I, hanging out with us <laughs> I, gotta,
0: <laughs> I gotta say and that's very true I, <laughs> at the time I, I wanted them to but they, yeah. weren't. they, weren't, they weren't there. Me. but the thing is is that it also sets them up as red herrings because they're also there
1: fair you know it just it maybe, doesn't read as authentic they are to me
0: jealous of the attention Sydney's getting yeah you know what I mean yeah. so but after all this Sydney bails out Derek shows up backstage almost immediately, suspicious.
1: Is he tossing a cloak away when he's (laughs) like... Yeah.
0: But Sydney's like asking for some distance and says Derek does not have a say in this.
1: And it's also like a weird half-assed explanation. Oh, me and Mickey switched. Switched what? Yeah, I don't know. What does that mean? I don't know if Mickey was like tech for the play, but Derek is also I don't there was no explanation there.
0: You did you switch was Mickey supposed to pick Sydney up? (laughs) Like what are you talking (laughs) about? I don't understand. So again, doesn't make any sense. But he reluctantly agrees to the distance and leaves.
2: But he sang her that cool song and gave her those letters.
0: He didn't ask for his necklace back either, which she keeps wearing it. Yeah. It's romantic. In the next scene, Gail and Dewey are speculating with Randy about the recent murders. Gail keeps getting calls on the phone from a person saying Bob needs to talk to her, but she keeps hanging up. I'm assuming this is a reference to Bob Weinstein, which
1: mm, gross. Yeah. Gail, I would be I would hang up too. Yeah.
0: Gail lights up a smoke and says there were more victims before the home stretch. She names them, finally mentioning Tatum. This is when we get that shot of Dewey like, "Oh."
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I had a I sister. Did a- yeah, wow. right.
0: <laughs> But Joel gets fed up with all the murder talk and takes a powder until the conversation gets a little more lighthearted. That, to me, with what comes up next, is also another red herring.
1: Absolutely. I had the same thought. Right. And also, I know they explain it away with a Jennifer Aniston joke, which is like Jennifer Aniston and David Trimmer being mentioned is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. But um, well, since when does Gail smoke? That was an yeah, think... odd choice. I think
0: it's so. I mean,. Shit's she stressful. In the first one, right? I, well, I don't think so. No. no. Times have changed, man. Yeah. <laughs> killer's back. It's tough. But Gail suggests that they try to find the killer's pattern and calls Dewey a bonehead, to which he calls her a phonehead when her phone rings yeah. again. It felt ad-libbed. It did it not really seem did. scripted. They are children. But Randy angrily answers it. And of course, this time, it's our old pal Ghostface. He says the three of them look deep in thought, and Randy realizes this means the killer can see them.
1: Well, Randy goes, it's him, and Dewey goes, who? Who
0: Who do you think, dude? Context clues. So Dewey tells Randy to keep him on the phone while he and Gail run around looking for someone with a cell phone, which is hilarious right now because everybody has a cell phone.
1: And it's funny because the dialogue is piped in because they're running away and it goes, look for somebody with a cell phone. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like, oh, shit, we forgot. But Randy keeps the killer busy, joking, when asked, that Showgirls is his favorite scary movie. (laughs) He runs up on a girl who is on a cell phone, but she's obviously not the killer. Dewey and Gale similarly strike out with a guess and continue their search. The killer taunts Randy, saying that he's a geek, and he'll never get the girl, to which Randy responds, Fuck you! (laughs) Fantastic. But he continues searching, eventually making his way over to the news van. Gail snatches the phone from some random guy as Dewey jumps from a fucking wall on top of him.
1: (laughs) Isn't your like leg and back all fucked up? Yeah, what happened to that? Well, he's
0: like, I'm not getting any worse. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking. But of course, this dude's not Ghostface. And he gets back on the phone and he's like, I just got attacked, mom. Yeah. (laughs) Very funny. But Randy continues talking to Ghostface, talking shit about Billy and Stu, basically saying that they're not worth copying. He continues talking major shit about both of them, but his insults are cut short when Ghostface leaps out of the news van, dragging him inside. The van rocks as we see Ghostface stabbing the shit out of him, a fucking.
1: I, <laughs> I laughed out loud. A hip hop
0: <laughs> dance crew. Yeah, that,
1: yeah, literally spinning and dancing. Like literally
0: dancing, spinning around. They walk by with a boombox, drowning out the noise of Randy being stabbed.
1: Did Ghostface pay those guys? I I, yeah, he's like, come
2: around around. Entirely. Six. Too I wasn't much. even wondering anymore where he was hiding. Uh huh. How he caught him and pulled him in the van. I was like, that dude's spinning, dancing, <laughs> <Yes>. just <laughs> walking across right, the street. I was sufficiently distracted.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but after we see some stabbings through the side mirrors, Ghostface makes his escape and we see blood dripping from the van. Gale and Dewey realize that they don't know where Randy is and rush back. Joel returns with a box of Dunkin' Donuts conveniently facing the camera. Yes. <laughs> They notice that the window is shattered on the news van and open it up to find Randy's dead body covered in blood as well as a ghost face mask left in the driver's seat.
1: If I may be so bold Uh as to say this is the biggest mistake in the franchise. 100%. Why would you do that? In the middle, when you knew there were going to be more, Mm -hmm. the fuck would you kill Randy in the middle of the second?
2: Oh, I thought you were going to go the way that I was going to say. I'm sure they were able to get hair follicles or fingerprints or something off his costume. why would why would you leave it? That's very true. Not, I didn't think about that. You're gonna kill more people. Yeah. No,
1: I'm I was mean, I, I they just shouldn't have killed Randy. That's no. all yeah. I'm trying to say. It's
0: honestly so. It's such a mistake because he knows more than everyone. Yeah. yeah. But then again, at the same time, you're like, well, someone important has to die. Mm. I, Although mean, they, they are very, very careful with their main cast. You know what I mean? Yes.
1: No, yeah, they have, well, he's what not do they not call it, plot man. armor? True, yes. yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah, they do have plot armor, and we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah,
1: yeah, Yeah, dude, okay, yeah. yeah.
0: But Gail screams at the sight of Randy's body, and I believe Joel faints. Yes, he does. He does. In the library, Sydney is working on a prehistoric-looking computer. Yes! And it freezes. A guy next to her tells her that it means she has an instant message, but she's like, I'm not signed in. And then he tells her that that means that it's someone in the library because the terminals are all connected.
1: Thank you, expositional yeah. college student. Well, <laughs> <laughs>
0: the instant message does come in and it says, you're going to die tonight. <laughs>
1: They get right to the point. So yeah. I think
0: she's being dentist.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's
3: part
0: but of the system exactly. <laughs> and you know, there was a cancel button. I would have hit that. I mean like yeah. Yeah, not, I don't
1: want to. See I'm that not again. getting killed tonight. This didn't happen.
0: Yeah, but the officers whisk her to safety while trying to locate the person sending the messages. No, no, no.
1: But yes, <laughs> yeah. that's the problem. <laughs> they they whisk
0: her to safety right near an open hallway and yeah. then leave
1: her alone. And then leave. Her, yes, just bad policing yeah my diagnosis bad policing
0: (laughs) weren't
2: wasn't this his two best men yes yes best
0: is in quotes it's subjective this is when cotton rounds the corner jump scaring her
1: looking like a fucking creep yes hey how
0: did he know that she would be there
1: he wouldn't he's like hey sydney like literally
0: (laughs) (laughs) but he asked if she's okay and if they can talk he tells her that Diane Sawyer called him, offering him a primetime slot for a full hour interview with him in Sydney. Sydney very politely rejects the offer against Cotton's protests, and things get really tense between the two. Sidebar, Cotton appears to be wearing the same boots that Ghostface was known to wear in the first film. And we get a shot of them. So again, red herring.
1: And he also, he says that Diane Sawyer's offering them $10,000 a piece for the interview. I'd be like, where does Diane want me, first (laughs) of all? And secondly, he says something about needing money because all he has is this and the 900 numbers.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what that means. Uh,
1: Neither do I unless he's like uh, sex (laughs)
2: <laughs> but, oh yeah yeah i don't uh, know but um cotton but yeah <laughs> he it kind of seemed to me like he was i don't know if it was done intentionally but it kind of sounded like he was trying to imitate the the voice change the ghost face voice. whenever they got tense, right yeah, yeah when he i was like why did that's, kinda- that's, thing- that's a bit much that's
0: the other thing i don't get is because at the start cotton was so sympathetic and polite yeah. he would he the cotton that we saw at the beginning after she said no he'd be like oh okay
1: Yeah. Well, and I just have to say, and this may be an unpopular opinion, but I don't think that his request is unreasonable at all. No. You sent me to prison for something I didn't do, and I lost a year of my life. You can give me an hour of yours and take $10,000 for yourself.
0: Yeah, it's not like, and then I'll keep the money. No,
1: literally, (laughs) that's the least you can do. That is the least you can do. I
0: agree. But Sydney walks back into the library away from Cotton, and he berates her very loudly as he follows her. (laughs) calling her everybody's favorite victim.
1: He's like, I'm going to kill you, you no. bitch. Yeah. I'm going to put on a costume and
0: kill your ass. But... <laughs> the officers swarm him, and he's arrested. In the next scene, Cotton is at the station explaining to the chief what happened. Outside the interrogation room, though, Sydney is told the news about Randy's death, and she says that it should have been her. She says she should call Randy's mother, but Dewey says he's already made the call. Back in the interrogation room, Cotton very emphatically asserts his innocence And they're forced to let him go due to lack of evidence. They have nothing on him.
1: yeah, he's not wrong here. No, No, he's like, what did I do,
0: yell in a library? Yeah, yeah, sorry. (laughs) So Gail rounds the corner with a cup of coffee just as Cotton is being let go. And he asks her if she's enjoying the show. She tells him not to do anything stupid. And he's like, you were so instrumental in my freedom. Are you having character doubts now? It's like, Damn.
1: And he has the audacity to give Sydney his card on the way out. Yeah, yeah.
0: Dewey swipes it. He's like, fuck Jeez, that, dude. Come on. Dude.
2: He's like, we can store." Yeah, this. Yeah, like right. Diane Sawyer, yeah. man. Let's right. make some money.
0: <laughs> he calls Cotton a creep when he takes the card, by yeah. the way, Dewey. <laughs> but Dewey tells Sydney that they're going to take her somewhere safe, and Hallie says that she'll be there too. The chief orders the officers to take them to their dorm to get their stuff together and says that they've issued a campus lock-in so nobody can be out after dark. Sydney asks who the killer could be, and Dewey promises that he'll find him. Gail leaves the station and is once again hounded by reporters. But they ditch her as soon as Cotton comes out behind her because he's way more important.
1: Yes, I mean, he is. <laughs> he is.
0: Debbie is there too, though, and she sticks with Gail, asking her questions. Gail loses her shit on her, though, and tells her to give it a rest. Debbie then apologizes and walks off, Embarrassed. Joel walks up saying that they've impounded the van because it's a crime scene.
1: It is.
2: It is.
0: And he gives her all the footage and he says that he's getting the fuck out of there. We literally see him in the background (laughs) getting into a cab. We hear it start and Drive Away.
1: (laughs) I was (laughs) laughing. He's like, for real, He's like, no, right now.
0: But Dewey comes out of the station and Gail says that she feels bad about the whole thing. She says she never feels bad about anything, but she feels bad now. Dewey asks if it's just another performance, but Gail convinces him that it isn't. And in that moment... The dream team was born.
1: Absolutely.
0: He grabs the footage that Joel shot and Gail realizes that the killer might be on the tape if he really is relishing every moment of the killings and says it's worth a look. That night, Gail and Dewey find a VCR on campus to review the footage. They accidentally drop a tape and then bump heads as they go and reach for it. Gale hands Dewey the tape and they touch hands as Dewey's final fantasy music begins to play. Yeah.
1: Gale plus Dewey for ever.
0: I'm a big fan. But they pop the tape in and it turns out Joel captured their argument from earlier on and
1: <laughs> it's not a good look. No. no. <laughs>
0: After reviewing that tape for a moment, they decide it's probably best to apologize to
1: each
2: other.
0: <laughs> this immediately leads to the two of them making out on top of the desk in the classroom.
2: Aren't they supposed to be helping this girl? Yeah, yeah. and then <laughs> yes, they just they start. They fucking, just leave the tape playing. Yeah, like, they were They won't. Well, yeah, they, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> well, you know what? I, let's go find this killer. You're looking good. Well, the the
0: moment struck. <laughs> The moment struck, but before things can get that hot and heavy, (laughs) another video starts to play. It's a super cut of grainy footage of each murder victim so far before they were killed. Almost voyeur style shots, though. But the last cut is a live shot of Gail and Dewey in the classroom that they're currently in. They turn around and see Ghostface's fucking face in the projection room. And Dewey decides it's time to make his way up there, but when he gets there, the room is empty. Also, Dewey does not have a gun or anything. Nope. Yeah. He just goes up there like he's just going to fight Ghostface. But he comes out to tell Gail that there's no one there. But just then, Ghostface lurches up from behind the desk with a knife. How the hell? I don't know. Because he would have had to go through the classroom yes. to get there. But Yes. Gail clocks him with a phone and runs down a hall. Dewey, being Dewey, trips down the stairs. <laughs> Of course. Of course. Gail runs down the hall checking doors, but they're all locked. She finally finds one that's open and it leads to a sound studio. What follows here is one of the coolest scenes in the film that I remember being a lot longer than it actually is. It's not that long.
1: No, it is it's it is cool, though. But I do want to point out that Gail got so scared by Ghostface that it put the lipstick back on her face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because just moments before it she was gone uh, from yeah. the makeout session. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> well... I don't know,
0: (laughs) but Gail and Ghostface play a like cat and mouse game among these acoustic panels and the cinematography is really neat and they're both weaving in and out, Gail hiding and Ghostface seeking. She eventually makes her way out into another room and Dewey makes his way in. He can see her through the glass, but it's soundproof. This is when Ghostface rushes to Dewey, stabbing him in the back several times.
1: He kills Dewey. <laughs> I mean, let me, let's, be real let's here. just yeah. say that. And Dewey steps on some pizza. Thank you. That he's looks like, what like is a of
2: glue. What does yeah. that have to do with anything? Why did he have to step on the pizza? I, and and why did they like, have oh, to show
1: yeah. it? I don't uh, well. <laughs> know. There's a lot of, I don't know.
0: But Dewey eventually screams into a microphone, getting her attention. She turns to him and sees him getting attacked even more, blood pouring out of his mouth yes. against the glass. So yes. he's dead. And Dewey is dead. Yes. She screams silently. After dispatching Dewey, Ghostface tries to break into the room that Gale is in, but gives up and hightails it out of there as Gale just cowers on the floor. In the next scene, the officers are getting Sydney and Hallie out of Dodge, but before they get into the car, they bump into Derek.
1: Sydney looks at Derek like when you see somebody you know at the grocery store and you don't want to talk to them. Like She's like, oh, <laughs> Well, fuck. she's like, I fucking told you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> dude.
0: And why aren't the detectives like, back off? Yeah, They're the worst the detectives. Yeah. They
1: suck, dude.
0: But he tells Sydney that he'll still be there when this is all over, and they kiss. Sydney gets into the car with Hallie and the officers, and they drive away. Behind Derek, we see someone in a robe-like costume <laughs> flitting from tree to tree. <laughs> we then see another man in a cloak, and he steps out of the shadows. and He tells Derek, "Prepare to die." Because he gave up his letters. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's the Greeks. The comeuppance up. that. Yes. Yeah. I bet you forgot about that shit. But <laughs> it's about a dozen men in cloaks and they just pick him up, scoop him up, and carry him away. Lois and Murphy are also there because why not? Greek is Greek. Yeah, throw him in there. Yeah. But they take him to a theater where he's tied to that fucking stage prop thing yeah. that we saw from Sydney's rehearsals earlier. They're spraying him with beer, pouring it down his boxers, just really asshole stuff.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
0: But they ask him who he loves, and he says Sydney. And I guess he was supposed to say his Greek brothers or some shit. Uh. Greek life confuses the (laughs) shit out of me, too, if I'm honest.
1: He's like, no, Sydney. Yeah,
0: he said, he does. He said, no,
1: I said Sydney.
0: But back with Sydney and company, the officers hit a red light and she looks out the window. Hallie asks them where they're going and one of the detectives is like, Well, if we tell you, we'll have to kill you.
1: Not the- appropriate. No. She's literally running for her life right now. Yeah. Sydney's like, that is not funny. <laughs> yeah, it's but it's not.
0: <laughs> but the other officer says, Don't ask, don't tell. Offensive. No, he says,
1: don't ask, don't tip. That's what <laughs> he gets his shit. Which it is offensive. So like, I don't feel, this is the only characterization we've gotten from these cops and they're both dicks. Like, yeah. so well, fine. They
0: are detectives, aren't they?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but Ghostface leaps up, breaks the window and stabs the driver in the throat as the girls scream. The other detective tries to bail out, but Ghostface kicks him in the face and then just beats his entire ass. <laughs> <laughs> Ghostface then climbs into the car and pushes the driver out. The other detective pulls his gun, and Ghostface obviously just runs him over. He's in the car.
1: Yeah, he's like freeze, motherfucker, yeah, yeah. or something. I am in it's a like car. literally just shoot him, just yes. shoot him.
2: Yeah, I, not one shot fired.
1: No, no just shoot him. Well, he's yeah. like, girls, get down, and he gets hit. Yeah. It's yeah. too late.
0: As he's hit, he clings to the hood as Ghostface just starts driving into things to fuck him up.
1: <laughs> he's clinging to the hood like a stuntman. <laughs> he is.
0: Well, at one point, he's clearly a doll, but. <laughs> Eventually Ghostface crashes the car and the detective gets his head impaled on a metal tube. I don't know what those things are called. PVC pipe. No. Yeah. Something. Well,
2: it was a metal pipe. Metal right? pipe. Metal pipe. Metal pipe. <laughs> yeah.
0: And what follows this is easily the most suspenseful scene in the film.
2: It is. It goes
1: on a little too long. It but does. it is. Yes. And it begs the question, did they really need to be transported in a cop car? Because no. if this is like a witness protection situation, wouldn't yeah. it be smarter to have a civilian car? Yep. Yeah. And that would have solved a lot of problems here. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: because Sydney and Hallie peer up from the back seat and it appears that Ghostface is knocked out. The girls try the doors, but they're obviously locked because it's a cop car. Yes. Luckily, one of the pipes has also busted the partition between the back and the front seat, so the girls peel it away. Sydney climbs through first, grimacing at the sight of the dead detective. She slowly crawls over Ghostface, stopping for a moment, contemplating taking off his mask before accidentally hitting the car's horn and scaring the shit out of herself.
1: Like stupid ass. Yeah. She got too into it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. Never mind. Because she doesn't. She bails.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah.
0: She's like, fuck it. But she gets out of the car. She goes to open the door for Hallie, but the door won't open. And so Hallie has to do the exact same thing that Sydney just did. It is tense, but the girls make it out and they run away.
1: But- isn't ripping his mask off literally the first thing you would do after y'all both got out of the car? Oh,
0: absolutely, and that's and that's what Sydney does. She decides to go back and try to get his mask off. She decides but... to
1: go back.
2: Why didn't they kick the window?
1: What window? Oh, uh, the front window. The oh, back the... of the
2: cop car to get out of the back window. They
1: tried, or they, she tried hitting. I it. I don't
2: want to wake up Ghostface with all that noise. No. <laughs> well, I mean, oh yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but Sydney does make it back to the car, but Ghostface is gone. She turns around just as Ghostface leaps from behind Hallie, stabbing her to death.
1: First of all, how the fuck?
0: I don't know. But he chases Sydney off. <laughs> Back on campus, Gail cautiously makes her exit from the studio, but runs into Cotton in the hallway, and he's covered in blood.
1: Why is Cotton here? Yes. Why I is he know. even here? And was he
2: playing in it? What I know. The... <laughs> he said, he'd, he's like, I found Dewey. Oh, uh, no, you. I hugged him. I
0: around his butt. I never knew Dewey, but I found him. I was going
1: to say. God, yeah,
2: yeah how do you know who he
1: is? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Gail doesn't believe him and runs oh away. Oh, my
1: God. But Gail
0: runs out of the building and right into Debbie, who is on a payphone outside. She snatches the phone from her and calls the police, telling them that Cotton is the killer. Debbie is very shocked to hear this, as if she and Cotton go way back or something. Cotton, mm. cotton <laughs> weary? But we get a shot... From inside the theater on campus, and we see the sound system kind of start on its own, like a fucking ghost is doing it. <laughs> and it's beginning to play the music for Sydney's play. We then see Sydney back on campus, and she can hear the music, so she follows the sound to the theater.
2: Which
1: makes no. No, no sense.
2: Don't ever do no, no, this. What no, it are you makes doing? no sense. You just got away. Why are you not going to campus police or the exactly. real police What's or somewhere? Yeah.
1: Like it, that was so stupid to <laughs> me. Very yes. stupid.
0: It's like, well, we need the last scene to happen. So she'll just go <laughs> to the theater. Right.
1: <laughs> just get her there somehow. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So. She does make
0: her way inside, and she calls out, but nobody answers.
1: And they were just partying here.
0: Yeah. They well, were you see just all the beer bottles and all a, that stuff a few, there?
1: but it looks pretty, yeah, for as hard does. as they
0: were partying, it is too. pretty clean. Well, Ghostface cleaned it up for the final <laughs> act. He's like, we don't need all and this shit And that
1: was the here. world's shortest hazing slash party.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, they, they, they're like, we did what we came <laughs> <for."> yeah <laughs> But Sydney makes her way onto the stage, and the music stops. But then a spotlight comes on, blinding her. She tries to make her way off the stage, but prop walls begin to fall, blocking every exit. We see some lighting and stage effects, and then the spotlight shuts off. Sydney walks back towards center stage, but then Derek comes down from the rafters, still tied to that star stage prop thing. He's wearing a mask of one of the Greek chorus members, so Sydney takes it off and sees that his mouth is taped. She rips it off and slaps him to wake him up. Derek is still talking about the Greek shit, but Sydney shatters the mood by telling him that Hallie is dead and the killer is here. Derek's like, where? Just then... Ghostface steps on the stage and goes, right here. (laughs) He said he wouldn't untie Derek because history repeats itself. He then unmasks himself and he is revealed to be Mickey, the film student.
1: Now, decent twist. Would have been better if we had seen Mickey at all for the last half of this film.
0: Well, he was busy being Ghostface. Because <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> I mean, when you see him, you're like, oh, that dude. That's but right. That guy. guy. You, we, we haven't seen him in like an hour. I
0: think that's my biggest problem with his reveal is that I it's
2: there's not much of a payoff there. Not it's really. It's like, yeah, cool, Mickey, I guess. You know? Yeah. And then he just acts weird. And then it's like, we don't. Yeah. Well, I do you like. Were fine we don't even ago. know you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you were fine the other times. <laughs>
0: but Mickey suggests that Derek's his partner in crime, which Derek says is not true. Sydney doesn't know what to do, but Derek screams that he's going to kill Mickey, and Mickey responds by shooting Derek in the heart. <laughs> <laughs> so Sydney throws her hand over the wound, because that'll save him. I was yeah. going to
1: say, that probably hurt more. Yeah, he's like, can damn, get your fingers out of there, they're dirty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Derek tells Sydney he loves her, and then slips into death. Mickey then begins going on a diatribe, saying that Sydney needs to get over her trust issues because Derek was a great catch, the kind of guy she could take home to mom if she had a mom. Sidney's obviously offended by Ouch, that. Ouch, yeah. <laughs> but she starts shit-talking Billy Loomis and saying that Mickey won't get away with this. Mickey then responds by saying that he doesn't want to get away with it. He wants to get caught because the real goal for him is to blame cinema violence for his killing spree and then take part in the media frenzy that his trial would become, then... Basically, become infamous.
1: Well, people do love a good trial. I can attest to that. That is true.
0: I I would watch this trial. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Hands down. But he said that the one thing that Billy was good at, though, was he knew all about execution. Sydney says Mickey's forgetting one thing about Billy as she secretly dangles Derek's Greek necklace behind her back. Miss, <laughs> Mickey's like, what? <laughs> and she says, I fucking killed him. And then she whips that necklace across Mickey's face.
1: Because those Greek letters were made of razors.
0: Yep. Yes, they were. <laughs> she starts kicking him, though. <laughs> just starts kicking the shit out it's of him. It's
1: funny because Mickey was not prepared for any kind of fight. He no, was like, no. no, I thought you were just going to take
0: it. <laughs> but he drops the gun. And as Sydney tries to make an escape, he tackles her. They begin to tussle around the stage props, and Mickey eventually retrieves the gun. She tries to escape to the left, but he pulls the knife as well, and he tells her that she's got a Linda Hamilton thing going on, always referencing (laughs) the fucking movies. Just then, Derek's body ascends to the rafters, and Mickey's like, now who is doing that? (laughs) He says, he's like, I told you I had a partner, and then a door opens behind Sydney, and Gail walks through it.
1: I would be offended if I were Gail because she walks through and Sydney just goes, Gail. Yeah. Like, I yeah, fucking I really
3: knew it. I knew you would pull this shit. <laughs> you bitch. I'd be,
1: <laughs> I'd be like, really, yeah. dude?
0: But Gail shakes her head, obviously. <laughs> She's like, no. Because following right behind her is Debbie Salt holding her at gunpoint. Sydney looks at her for a moment, recognizing her, finally revealing her as Mrs. Loomis, Billy's mother.
1: Dun, dun, dun. <laughs>
0: See now this I like this.
1: I this Mickey, it's like meh, this it's like, oh, oh shit.
0: shit. So Gail's like, What the fuck? I've seen pictures of you, and Sydney's like, Well, this is sixty pounds and a lot of work later. It's kind of convenient, but Gotta get your yeah. just yeah. go with it, yeah. Mickey explains that they met on a psycho website, but which one?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he also says that Miss Loomis paid his tuition, which is like, you know, he didn't actually have to go to class. No.
1: <laughs> like I don't know why
0: that was part of it, but
1: was maybe that just to learn, for him? maybe to learn more about the movies, so he's he can like, blame me later. Guess. I love
0: film. Yeah. That's not that was never an act.
1: But they say that it's some psycho website, and she says that there's a certain number of active serial killers in the U.S. and that yeah. Mickey was a rising star. So, so was is he, he already, already killing it? people? Hmm. And she's just like, "Hey, come do this for yeah. me.
0: You gotta wear a costume." Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Mickey says he can't wait until the trial because it's gonna rock. And Miss Loomis tells him there won't be a trial before shooting him three times in the chest. She's like, oh, honey. Yeah, I don't get why she murdered him here. Because I feel like she... Oh, it's all part of her plan. That's Yeah,
1: it's all... He's used up. She doesn't need him anymore. No
0: need. But before he falls to the floor, he lets off an accidental shot, which hits Gail in the stomach, and she crashes through the orchestra pit.
1: Bam, bitch went down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Loomis then corners Sydney, telling her the entire plan like any good movie villain would. While her motive may not be as 90s as Mickey's, (laughs) I swear, she's doing this out of good old-fashioned revenge. She says everything is traceable back to Mickey, and she says it'll look like Sidney and Mickey got into a scuffle in which Sidney killed Mickey, but not before he got off one good shot at her. She says this as she wipes Mickey's gun clean and throws it away.
1: First of all, Laurie Metcalf is a goddamn treasure. Oh, fantastic. Secondly, I love... A revenge story. Oh yeah! I love a good revenge story, and this is really—I mean, what? Of course, a mother would want revenge. Right, right. Uh huh. You know, I like—I really like this aspect of it.
0: People online have called it a reverse. Yes. Pamela Voorhees. And
1: it's funny because they mentioned Mrs. Huh. Voorhees earlier in the movie when they're talking about suspects. Uh huh. Right. And so it's also like-
0: the scene from Stab reminds you that his mom's still alive.
1: Oh, that's true. And calling way back to the first time we ever see, quote unquote, Debbie Salt. Uh-huh. Gail is walking, I think with her cameraman, they're walking up to that press conference thing. And before she starts following her and she's like, oh, I went to your seminar or whatever. She has this look on her face when she sees Gail that once you know and you look back, it is pretty menacing really and then she comes up and she's like oh gilbert like i love you blah blah but that first look like like, she yeah Yeah. here i go like i've been waiting this whole time for this
0: well sydney tells her that she's just as crazy as her son was which miss loomis does not take very well
1: why are you (laughs) trash talking billy right now i don't know
0: But she says that Sydney doesn't know what it is to be a mother. But also says that she wouldn't talk shit about Billy because Randy did the same thing, and she got a little knife happy.
1: That is when Randy got got.
0: Exactly. She says that the real person to blame for all this is Sydney's mother for sleeping with her husband and breaking up her family. Things get really tense, and then Sydney's like, "Isn't Mickey supposed to be dead?" And Miss Loomis turns around, successfully tricked.
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey, look over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And Sydney breaks a fucking bottle over her head and runs backstage. <laughs> Mrs. Loomis starts to shoot holes through the door, peeking through as Sydney grabs an axe and starts cutting ropes, causing stage lights to crash down on Mrs. Loomis. She flips a bunch of Frankenstein style switches yes. yeah. and also fucks around with the fake wind noise thing for yeah, absolutely no why? Why? reason.
1: Like, that made me. Laugh. Mrs. Loomis <laughs> is like, oh no, the wind.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's her fucking stall. My only fear, yeah. <laughs> like, so she's trying
1: weird. To disorient her. Like, I don't know. Sydney's just working she's everything like, and wind.
2: But.
0: Miss Loomis ends up getting buried under a pile of stage stones, which are probably pretty much weightless. Yeah. 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 But Sydney makes her way back onto the stage and Mrs. Loomis jumps out and a knife fight ensues. They roll around until Mrs. Loomis clearly has the upper hand. Sydney reaches for one of the guns, but then out of the blue, we hear a gunshot. It's Cotton holding Mickey's gun. He tells them not to fucking move and says he's had a very bad day and wants to know what's going on.
1: Didn't Gail just call the police on him? Why is he just wandering around the, the campus still? Well,
0: the two best men are dead, so. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we need some action yeah.
0: hero. Sydney explains everything, and Mrs. Loomis tries to appeal to Cotton's hunger for fame, saying he can be in the spotlight if she kills Sydney. Cotton looks at Sydney for a counteroffer, who finally reluctantly agrees to the Diane Sawyer interview, so Cotton shoots Mrs. Loomis. What
1: if she <laughs> said no? <laughs> yeah. It's
3: like, yeah, all right, well, well, shit, kill her. I
0: don't give a shit. <laughs> But he tells Sydney that he would never hurt her and calmly gives Sydney the gun. He says that they should get their story straight for the press statement. As Sydney goes over to look at Mrs. Loomis's body, a hand then reaches up and grabs Sydney's. It's Gail. She asks them to help her up, and Sydney's like, "Are you all right?" And she goes, "I've been shot." Of course not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like, are you fucking stupid? <laughs> then she goes, "It just bounced off my ribs." Yeah, yeah, I like, like, are, you are, know? yeah are you how premed? All you know
2: that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talking to Derek yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but they get her out and the three of them stand over Mrs. Loomis's body Sydney hands Gail the other gun and Gail asks if she's dead Sydney says they always come back just then Mickey jumps up like a madman only to be mowed down by Gail and Sydney
1: a very Billy Loomis moment yeah
0: and Cotton's like whoa <laughs> <laughs> but Sydney turns around and shoots Mrs. Loomis in the head just in case, she says before walking off.
1: Was that legal?
0: Uh, well, the only people that would know would be the two I of them. Guess. So, just don't fucking say anything, and Sydney won't have to. No, <laughs> just kidding. That morning, though, Gail is being tended to by paramedics, and Joel returns with a camera and microphone, saying he hoped they could get the scoop just like the old days. I'm like, you mean yesterday?
3: Yeah, you were barely attempt this met. morning. Yeah, what, what the, the hell are, are you talking,
0: talking about? about? But Gail immediately slips back into TV mode, only to snap right out of it when she sees the paramedics taking Dewey out of the mm-hmm. building on a gurney. He's somehow alive. I don't know how.
1: Because someone in the background, as they're taking him down the steps, goes, The knife went into some old scar tissue. It saved his life. Oh, how it's convenient. Very, it's wow. super yeah. hyped it. It saved his life. Yeah. How yeah, did they know? They don't know. Right? He covered
2: up the holes with pizza. <laughs>
0: yeah. in front of the, yeah. floor. the pizza glue. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't blood. That was marinara. Marinara. Yeah. <laughs> But Gail joins him in the ambulance as Dewey's Final Fantasy theme plays one last time. (laughs) Sydney is then swarmed by media, asking her how it feels to be a hero. She tells them to talk to Cotton because he's the hero. So they swarm him. They share a knowing look. And it's honestly such a nice moment. I genuinely love that moment between the two of them. Because honestly, if anybody deserves some redemption, it's Cotton.
1: It really is. He never did anything in the first place.
0: No, he's just kind of got the shit into the stick for years. But Cotton hands the press his card, saying there's a time and a place and a price for everything. But he says, I'll tell you one thing, and I'll make one hell of a movie. In the final overhead shot, we see Sydney walking across the campus, and we pull away as the credits roll. So... What did you guys think of Scream 2?
1: I still like it with all its problems, and I'll be the first to admit that it has some problems, starting with the runtime, which is just incredibly too long. And then I feel like we get this almost cutesy happy ending for the most part and then you see sydney walking and you're like oh yeah all her friends are dead again <laughs> but the- except
2: yeah. dewey and gail yeah. but
1: sh- her and gail aren't friends
2: <laughs> yeah and plus aren't they supposed to be older so yeah she's <laughs> <laughs> gonna fucking hang out with them
1: but it's good i mean the twist mickey man yeah. i really love the mrs loomis revenge right
0: yes that's fantastic
1: um but yeah, I, I really, I I still love it. It still has a place in my heart, but it is not perfect by any means. No. And if someone were to watch it and be like, like John Paul, what the <laughs> hell? I'd be like, I know.
0: Yeah, I can't. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff you can't defend. No. And I do love this series. I love yes. this film. It's not as good as Scream proper, no. but I think it's a decent sequel for what came before it. For
2: sure. I... The movie wasn't as bad, but there's a lot of you know what I mean. There was like I said earlier, there was a lot of like, what the fuck's going yeah. on here? <laughs> but it it I I I did enjoy it for the show. Us talking about it, yeah. I enjoyed it a lot more <laughs> discussing it than, having than actually just, watching yeah, it, than sitting through it.
0: <laughs> so I guess that brings us to ratings. Now, as I just said, it's not as good as Scream for me, but I feel like it's a very adequate sequel. It's honestly, I see it ranked a lot as one of the best horror sequels, and it's not really something that I can particularly argue with. Yeah, it captures the tone of the first film, and then it carries the story forward. I don't know what else you can ask for. What from a sequel? You know, (laughs) it isn't as witty as I said at the top. It's not as witty as the first one. It's kind of more self-referential, which kind of it gets in its own way sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think that. Not only seeing these characters back together again, but seeing them on another romp with Ghostface. And I'm sorry, dude, but the performances are really good in this movie. They are. Once you realize that Mickey is Ghostface, Timothy Oliphant fucking turns it up and he is so goddamn good. (laughs) He really is. It's fantastic. But the main issue I think I have with this film is the runtime. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know that this film needed to be two hours long. It no. absolutely didn't. It's crazy because Scream was like an hour fifty something, but it doesn't feel it. It
1: didn't feel that no, way. This it didn't. movie no. feels no, it didn't. two hours. Yes. And you can feel that it doesn't need to be two hours. Yeah.
0: But I mean, to sum it all up, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both. <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> my out of ten red herrings, I am going to give Scream two six out of 10 red herrings and i will now open the floor to you
2: now i've made it i haven't hid the fact that i don't (laughs) care much for these right um but yeah the the runtime was a big thing for me some of the dialogue a lot of the like what the fuck you know what i mean there was there was just a lot of like confusing things for me and not like just like Huh? You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just like, well, why would you? You know, I was like, why would you do that? Or why? <laughs> like, like I said, the whole them being in the cop car and them not kicking out the window, or when Sydney gets out. Why didn't you bash the back window in to let your friend out? Or Bash goes face in the head with the brick to make sure he stays down. There's a lot of convenient <laughs> decisions <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And made then by characters. Too, when she's, Some convenient, stupid decisions. When yes. she runs to the theater instead of going to the cops. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Very stupid. But I did have a... Better time when we talked about it doing the show. So it was fun. Uh-huh. It is a movie that if it's on, watch it. If you like the first one, if you've barely seen them, go ahead and watch them. Yeah. I remember bits of the third one. I've never seen <laughs> the fourth one. so
0: Third one has its moments, but the fourth one's great. I okay. like the
2: fourth one a lot. And we'll get to it. Well, we When well, we, we do that, it'll be good because I've never seen it. So it'll be That'll fresh. Be yeah, I had... Already a uh, score, you know. I usually yeah. do it as soon as I finish the movie. I give it a couple of minutes, and I go with my gut on what I feel. And I know I gave what Scream a five. Uh-huh. I'm, yeah, I'm. I want to give Scream two. Also another five red herrings out of 10. (laughs) It was four, but us having the fun talking about it and, you know, all the silly (laughs) things and whatever. And then the good things, too. I was like, you know what? I'll give it another point. Right. Not saying that it's better than Scream 1, because I would prefer Scream 1 over this. Right. Yeah, for sure. But it does have a lot of fun things. And then some things that you pointed out and your sister pointed out, I didn't. Think of while I was watching the movie, or you know what I mean. I was, and then I was like, huh, you know what I mean? (laughs) Maybe, yeah. But yeah, I I feel comfortable with that. All right, nay.
1: All right, so (laughs) like we said, it does have its issues. There are several scenes that could have been cut to be shorter. Mm -hmm. Um, the scene with Cece for me could have been shorter. Nobody cared about her. She didn't need that whole, you know, cat and mouse thing. Mm. Sarah
0: Michelle Gellar, man. Okay. Uh,
1: <laughs> the scene with Dewey and Gale at the little sound system thing could have been yep. shorter. Um, them climbing over him in the car could have been shorter. I mean,
0: well, I don't know if that just felt like a long time it because felt,
3: it was it
1: tense, did. or I mean, if it was actually. I don't a long know. Time. But there are several scenes where, like, when you're watching it and you're like, "God damn, like we're still doing <laughs> this," but I mean, and. Mickey, like you said, Timothy Oliphant is fantastic, yes. especially after he's unmasked, but I wish he would have been utilized better before he was unmasked See, Dr. so that would have been a bigger deal.
0: Yeah. Dr. Wolfelin made a great point about the first film. He's like, "Dude, Billy and Stu were like main characters in yes. the movie." Yeah, they yes. were. You know. They it, were. it it hits less when it's just like the secondary. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Some people probably didn't even remember his name. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> So, but
1: with Mrs. Loomis, like I said, I love a revenge story. Mm-hmm. That was aces for mm-hmm. me. Her being Ghostface or right. pulling the strings of Ghostface, whatever. Um, Randy shouldn't have died. No. Sydney should not have wandered into that theater <laughs> no. solely based on music. That was absolutely yes. ridiculous. They just needed her there. She's like a, ridiculous. a moth to a yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: The music was on. <laughs> I'm
1: in this play. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wait a minute. They, my understudy. <laughs> like we said, some of the dialogue is a little ridiculous, but it's still a lot of fun. And it's great revisiting these characters and revisiting the story. Mm-hmm. And it is a fun movie to watch. That is not without its flaws. <laughs> so with all of that taken into account, um, on a scale of one to ten red herrings, I'm going to give Scream 2 6.5 out of ten red herrings. Very fair. It's not Scream. No. Right. But damn it, it's a good sequel. <laughs> and- it. It's all right. It's It's
0: all right. <laughs> You wonder, I mean, with the time constraints that they had, the rewrites that they did, you know, if they had the time to flesh it out, maybe if they could have waited until 98, what would this movie have been? Yeah. You know? And reading that they changed so much because of the leaks. Yeah. They changed the killers. They changed the, you know. So it's like, hmm. Yeah. It's one of those, uh, what could have been? Yeah. Mm. Well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate Scream 2 and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter, at ThePodMortem. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter, at TravisMWH, at BloodandSmoke, and at RealStreeter84. Remember, if you want to survive the sequel, you have to follow the rules. Until next time.